welcome to the Infinity Bros Podcast, the only podcast that is perfectly balanced. As all things should be, here in a beautiful Saturday evening, grateful you're here. Thanks for taking time to be with us. As always, you can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and theinfinitybros.com. I'm here with one other Infinity Bro today, and a special guest, but first, it's Infinity Bro Mark. Mark, how are you? Doing great. Glad to be back for the eighth week in a row. Or maybe I missed one week. I don't remember. But back for WandaVision. I'm all in on WandaVision for the Infinity Bros universe. I cannot believe we've reached the end of it. Like, next week is the end of it. Maybe. Maybe it's the end. (laughs) We'll talk about that in a bit. And then a a great friend of mine, friend of the show, uh, Mr. Magic from Geek Nation Podcast. Matt Williams. Matt, how you doing, man? Doing great, Max. Glad to finally be able to grace my presence upon the Affinity Bros podcast. Dude, we have been needing to get you on for a little a little bit. And that that's putting it nicely. Uh dude, so b- pumped you're here. Wish your wish your co-host was here. Yes. Um but we're going to have a blast tonight. Uh we're going to talk about a lot of things and I'm dying to hear some of your opinions cuz last week Matt shot me a message says I got to be on your episode 8 review. I said, "Okay." I said, "We'll make it happen." And uh we made it happen and we're here now. And it's the first time, actually, a guest I think is demanded to be on our show, Mark. I, I usually I, think I we love, have to send them payments. I love that energy, to... that it was de- a demand <laughs> join to the podcast. Like He held us hostage. You know, we were worried. We are like, all right, well, I guess we're going on, or Matt's going to take our podcast from us, or our birthdays. Um, and so, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about WandaVision today. It's why you're here, Episode 8 Review. It's going to be great. We're going to finally get to review some of the nerd news that we've been, like, Mark, for, like, weeks we've been putting off some nerd news. Mortal Kombat trailer. Zack Snyder, Ooh, final we cut have... trailer. You oh, don't decided. play that game. Don't play that game. It's an hour and a half. We got some little bits. We'll get into hot or snot. We're going to close out the show with our top five guilty pleasures. So once we're done with WandaVision, give us a try. Stick around. We'd love for you to hear some more of what we have to do. But before we get into that, we have a couple things we need to take care of first. First, we have our uh, another uh, review for us, Mark, from iTunes. It must be above three stars. Otherwise, you wouldn't read it. Am I correct on that? The rule is if it's below three stars, we belittle you. So I will still read it. No, no, no. It. Again, you belittle them. Well, we. Um, I think the problem for me, Mark, is nobody sent us a less than three star review yet. And I just know there's somebody out there that like likes us that would do it. So we'll see. It'll eventually happen. Uh, this is from past Brian Sow. He's actually sent one before, Mark. What is your ethical opinion on people sending reviews for a second time? Maybe they got really hyped from the last episode they listened to that they felt like they needed to review it again. Or if you go like this, you know, you leave your review maybe last year and now a whole year of podcasts have gone through. So it's like you want to leave another review. Like what if they've changed and you want to let people know, hey, don't respect my last review because they've changed and they suck now. So you know. Are we breaking podcast rules here, Matt? Are we breaking podcast rules from your guys' perspective? Like does Geek Nation, once you have a review, you read it once and you're done? If we get a review, we're just glad to get a review. We're just like, hey, <laughs> somebody took the time to type words about us. So I don't, I don't care if it's bad. I don't care if it's great. I care that someone took the time yeah, to type fair. words about us. Here's what I'll say. I, do not hear what I'm saying as like me complaining that we got another, like, oh, we have so many reviews. That's not the point. The point I'm saying is I'm just trying to figure this whole thing out <laughs> as we review it. Uh, it does sound very... Uh, facetious when we do it that way past brian sells says uh been listening from the start and i just want to say you all have really come into your voices i feel you are so close to being a viral podcast keep it up bros 
love you 3000 buying cocks all day <laughs> and for those that don't understand that you'll have to go back a couple episodes we'll leave it at that that's a great uh, review that's that's i mean you when you get a five-star review and then you get an inside joke within the five-star review that only some of your listeners are going to know it's pretty it's a good day and some uh, pretty nice constructive criticism that you know you're you know, people. Some people would take that wrong, but coming into your voices—that's that's not a bad thing. Yeah, he sent us a five star the first time around too. So it would have been funny if he would have said that and gave us a four star instead. He guys are really coming in your voices, but you've actually lost twenty percent of your value since I last saw you. <laughs> Good luck in your future endeavors. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks, Brian. We appreciate that. And if you appreciate our podcast, we'd love for you to leave us a review on uh, Apple iTunes. Yeah, even if it's a three-star review or less, we'll we'll read it still, but we'd love for you to do that. Um, Matt, we we have a tradition here at the Infinity Bros Podcast, though, Ooh. that anytime we have a guest on, we put them through what we call the Infinity Gauntlet. When we send you the show notes, we do not include the Infinity Gauntlet, and it's a series of questions that could be all over the place, uh, but but it's it's like uh, whose line is anyway. They're made up, and they don't really matter in the grand scheme of things, but we still want to know your answers. That's okay. I was prepared for this because I listened to the other episode with with the guest. Yes. So when you, you actually listen, so you have a leg up on other people, but we've had people on. For instance, last week we had AJ Monsoor from locally in Minnesota, Power Trip Morning Show. Yes. He, he was a little floored, but he handled it well. And uh, we usually get some bros sending questions, and every bro but one sent one in. So I'm going to start with Infinity Bro Jarrett's question. He, he says, what's yeah, that's a question. Your life depends on someone gladly and willingly giving you $1 million. How do you get it? How do I get it? I call my family. Um, I've got, you know, my older sister's a doctor. My cousin's a doctor. Um, I've got... A cousin in the hall in the fellow hall of fame. Uh, I call family and say I need some money. The the cousin in the hall of fame feels like the first phone call to me. Uh see, no, no, because he's a third cousin, so that's oh, that, yeah. that's a desperate call. You know, but your life depends on it here, Matt. Yeah, but still, like, look, there, there's something with you know this is, this is a culture thing with black folk. Um, you always have that cousin or family member that you see only at the family reunion always wants to hold something, always needs a little some, needs a little money here and there and that you never get back. And I'm not that cousin, but when you only talk every four or five years and then you call for money, mm-hmm. you put those lower on the list, you know. You don't want to be that guy. Exactly. Or that girl. I guess there's that girl too. No one, no one wants to be that family member. So that one, that that's a desperation one. You call the ones that are your closest to first because they got money. You know, they got money too. So okay, I, I I can make ten phone calls and get that million. Wow, that's a strong. That, those are, but that's only that's only because my life depends on it. That's now, fair. No, if I, I get if it. I that, call them fair. and say, yes. I want to start a business. Can you give me some money? They're gonna be like, <laughs> well, I don't know. That's different. Yeah, I have never been there. In regards to receiving that phone call. Um, but maybe one day I will. Um, uh, the second one comes from Finny Bros. Zane. He says, you're suddenly transported to any horror movie universe. Which one would you least like to be in? And do you think you could survive in it? Least likely to be, uh, least likely, wow. That would be um, any of these crazy shark ones because... Um, <laughs> You know, black people be getting eaten up except for L Cool J all the time. 
Um, I can swim, but I can't tread water um, for very long because of my feet. They actually do. They're so big, they actually cause a reverse. They pull me under instead of keeping me up. So, yeah, anything, you know, Jaws, Deep Blue Sea. Um, Sharknado. Any, Sharknado, um, the Meg, the Deep, whatever, none, none of those. Go Shark. Yeah, no, no shark stuff. And I'm fat, so it's going to come after me and try to eat me up. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think you're speaking to you're speaking to a healthy. Well, not healthy is the wrong word. You're, there's a there's a parallel to other people there in this in this. You're talking to the two healthiest infinity bros. <laughs> Robbie's like doing curls when he's listening to this right now. You know, we're healthier than Zane, I can tell you that. Um, uh, here comes from Vinny Bro Isaac. What is a fandom genre of geek and nerd culture? That you haven't gotten into yet for whatever reason. Oh, okay. Um, I answered this actually to one of uh, my members in Jig Nation today. I am not into Pokemon. Wow. I am a little. Yeah, that's too, a, I'm a little too old for it. How old are you, Matt? I am almost. I'm, I'm almost thirty. I'm I'm almost thirty nine. Okay, um, okay. So I'm almost forty. So when okay. Pokemon dropped in '96, I was in high school, and then when it really like dropped in the states when the game came out. Um, that was ninety eight, so I was a sophomore or junior in high school. So, right. and it wasn't you know geared towards that age group. It was geared towards you know your elementary school, middle school kids. So I was a little just a, on the cusp of being a little too old for the Pokemon craze, and I also was never um, I was never a card game player. Like I was never into any of those. Uh, the only card games I play are traditional card games, you know, spades, poker, stuff like that. I, I forget how to play Uno, to be honest. Like, I've been playing Uno since I was, like, eight. Um, <laughs> oh, no. Just card games <laughs> oh, like man. that, I just I don't play them much. So I wasn't going to be into a trading battle card game, even if I was the right age age range. Okay. How have you, like, this is a side note to this. Don't really care. We're going to ask anybody. Like, how have you, like, today is the 25th anniversary of poke Pokemon, like, does that blow your mind as somebody who, like, you know, you're in so many geek cultures and so many people around you like it. Have you thought it wouldn't make this far? Or are you like, no, it makes sense. I just wasn't at the age where it would have appealed to me. Yeah, you know, it made sense. I understood why it caught on. I, I got the craze. I saw it. Uh, and plus, there were crazes that were stupid that caught on for a little bit. So I wasn't shocked that Pokemon had... Um, you know, the longevity is, I'm, I'm an eighties kid. So for me, you know, my Pokemon to a slower, to a smaller degree is transformers. That was the anime that I got into. I was collecting, you know, all the different transformers that my parents would let me buy like that. And that's still going strong, you know, almost 40 years later. So I, I got it. I was just the wrong age for it. Okay. All right. Good to know. Mark, you, your turn. You go. Here's my crazy question of the day. Beware how spicy this is. <laughs> um, Bring it on. What is one food that you've never put nacho cheese on that you would love to put nacho cheese on? Just one? Because there's a lot of foods I would put nope. nacho if cheese you had, on. If you had to have your top one, what's your number one food that you've never put nacho cheese on that you need to try with nacho cheese? Okay, well, like I said earlier, I'm fat. So there's a lot of things I've put nacho cheese on. Um, that most people probably wouldn't have. Oh man, oh. 
You know, I would I I know I know what I need to put nacho cheese on. Um I need to put nacho cheese on a grilled cheese and bacon sandwich. Oh my gosh. Just have a oh. cup of it and dip it in there. That that would be perfect. Heck yeah. Nacho cheese is to me a little bit overrated in regards to like the cheeses. I understand the appeal to it, but like there, there are, are very, very few times, times that, that I personally go, you know, I need, I need to put, put nacho cheese on this. Except for nachos. Yeah, except for if you have like an unlimited source of nacho cheese, then your whole attitude would change. Well, sure. If I had an unlimited supply of anything, I probably would think of things differently. But that's not the reality for me as a person. Yeah. All right. All right, Matt. I needed to ask you a basketball question because when I went on your okay. show, I, uh, as, as we were talking pre-show, I went to school. You, you gave me a lot of a lot of good things to think on. So my question is. You're you are tasked with creating the, fir- the a big three for your favorite franchise. We'll call you a GM. Okay. Money is no option. Okay. Who are the big three that you're building with today's players? You cannot include the following five players. You cannot include LeBron. Okay. Giannis, Durant, AD, or James Harden. Who do you take and why to win? They will be out there. Those five will be in the league though. Five players, no Braun, no Giannis, no AD. Well, hold on, I got to write this down. No Braun, no Giannis, <laughs> no, no LeBron, AD. No Giannis, no Durant, no Davis, no Harden. Oh, I'm not taking James Harden anyway. I thought you were going to say that about James Harden, but I was like, I'm going to still write him just because he's a he's an elite scorer. And it was, you could pick three players. He has to build a team, a big three. Money's no option. Trading is no option. He can, yep. it's whoever he wants except for those five. Okay. Yeah, well, Harden, I mean, I'm I'm old school. I need somebody to actually play defense, and James Harden ain't mm-hmm. playing no defense, so he wouldn't be on my team to begin with. No Giannis, no KD, no AD. Oh, three players. Okay. Kawhi Leonard, he would definitely be on my team. And give me Dame Lillard. He's going to run the point for me. And I need a body to deal with Giannis and them. And I'm going to take Joel Embiid. That's kind of what I thought. I thought you'd take Embiid for sure. And my only thing about, my only thing about, about Embiid is he always gets hurt. But if yeah. Joel Embiid's healthy, he's the best big man in the game. So, right. Yeah. Dame is running yeah. the point for me. Kawhi Leonard is on the mm-hmm. perimeter for me. And Joel Embiid is dominating the block. Right. That makes sense. And you you give me a couple role players, and uh, you know you you give me a, a you give me Jared Allen as my power forward, and Clay Thompson as my shooting guard, and I'm destroying every team out there. Fair with Kawhi, it's tricky too because I think last year kind of proved he's not as good to me as people think. Because I think Toronto just has a very deep team, and well, they, they had a built fantastic bench. Yeah. Um, Kawhi to me is a new Scottie Pippen. So he's, he's not like this was, I mean, winning for Toronto, he was the lead guy, but they were super deep, but he's not, he doesn't have the, the mentality. He doesn't have that vocal type of leadership to really drive teams towards a lot of championships. He's not built that way. So yeah, it's, it's fascinating when you watch like the, the Michael Jordan documentary, and even after Kobe's well, not even past. just Mike, like anybody from that era, um, Magic, Mike, 
the bad boys, Isaiah your Thomas. squad. Yeah, those are your guys. Ezekiel, those guys are going to they're going to shoot their mama if it means they're going to win. Like so, Larry Bird, like those guys were killers. Uh, Kawhi, he's he's not that dude. Dame Lillard is that dude. Dame Lillard has an old school mentality. So yes. Dame Lillard would be my vocal leader. He'll be the leader on the court. And I believe in point guards um, generally being the better leaders. So that's why I picked Dame. And he can do it all. And Kawhi can take the backseat and do what he does and be, you know, in the shadows where he likes to be. He doesn't have to say anything. Just do his job. And Embiid, obviously, Embiid's going to do his thing because – I think Embiid, you're kind of stuck with him given the circumstance and the question I gave you. But I know. I mean, there's other players. If I wanted to go, yeah. you know, all perimeter, but you wouldn't I, go Cat, would you? You wouldn't go Cat. See, Cat was the first person I thought of, but my problem was Cat is he ain't got enough heart. Cat has all the physical abilities, but he ain't got the heart. Yeah, our Minnesota audience is is grieving right now listening to. You hey, I don't that, know why but... the I don't know why the Wolves ain't better. That's. That's because they got that's they got curse. cursed when they created KG. Glenn Taylor cursed all of Minnesota sports. Glenn Taylor's the worst owner in all of sports. That's well, you why. can't you can't blame Glenn Taylor for you know oh, Kevin yeah. McHale giving his <laughs> you know Kevin. The problem is when you hire an ex Celtic, there doesn't matter who's signing their paycheck. Their their loyalty is to the Celtics. And when that trade happened, I said, "Who let this happen? How did they not veto this?" One right. Celtic teammate gives Kevin Garnett to his other Celtic teammate. Like, come, that that's ridiculous. Like, that, yeah, that trade it, never should have been allowed. Not only that, I think what, what's – isn't it the draft? Am I correct me if I'm wrong, where they picked Rubio and then oh, – who was the Syracuse point guard they Jer- picked? Uh, Johnny Flynn. Johnny so Flynn picking, so and Steph, Steph Curry, Curry. Was, was in that draft, right? Yes, they picked uh, Rubio and Johnny Flynn over Steph Curry. And let's let's be fair. They, they could have taken Steph Curry – and he wouldn't have developed into the player he is with the Wolves. He would have spent two or three years and left Minnesota. I agree. I'm just saying it's just, just like, like that. That is like to me the craziest concept that happened. But if you're listening to this show, you didn't come for the sports takes. But we're gonna get him when you get the when you get Jeek Nation on the podcast. You can't help it. That's how it is. So that's right, uh, Matt. Uh, you have gone through the Infinity Gauntlet. Uh, so as Isaac would say. You are now a extended member member of the Infinity Bros universe. So consider Geek Nation an extension of the Infinity Bros podcast. Seriously, before we dive into WandaVision, I, I was telling Matt pre-show, and and I, he's not telling me to say this. I'm saying this. It is criminal how few people follow these guys on Twitter, and I, I don't know how many subscribers they have, but you need to subscribe to this podcast. It's fantastic what these guys are doing. Geek Nation, check out this podcast. If you love sports, this is exactly where you need to be. If you are a Christian, and we got a lot of Christians that listen to our show, this is the place for you. It's the perfect center point of Christianity, geek, nerd culture, and sports. I There's nothing like it. So check it out. Make sure you follow these guys. Uh, and Matt, thanks for, thanks for taking that on the chin, man. That was awesome. That's, and, and as the Affinity Bros love to say, and you know, all things balanced, Geek Nation, the original Geek Podcast, is where there is perfect balance between jock and geek. It is the perfect is is perfectly balanced as all things should be. So check it out. Seriously, go go check it out. Selfless plug. We'll plug it on the back end too, but I wanted to make sure for those that are listening to WandaVision that they caught that. But let's not bury the lead. You're here for one reason, probably as a listener. At least it's the main reason. I'm I'm noticing. It's the main reason. It probably is. It's it's WandaVision episode eight. 
you are here to find out our thoughts. You're here to digest more information. And as pretty much this whole show is gone, I think, for all of the internet, you're just trying to hear more perspectives and try to get your mind around what this show is doing. So before we get into that, we want to make sure that you're familiar with our rating system and how we rate things around here. So I'm going to put that bumper right here. Here on the Infinity Bros Podcast, everything is ranked from a 0 to 6 point scale. 0 meaning horrible, and 6 meaning absolutely excellent. If all of the Infinity Bros rank something a 6, it gets an Infinity Snap. This is also your last chance. We will spoil everything. We're not going to hold anything back. We're going to spoil everything that came. We're going to talk about a couple rumors that are coming up in term, in regards excuse me, to length and a couple other details. So this is your spoiler warning as well. This is... Prepare yourself. An Infinity Bros. Prepare yourself. Spoiler. Warning. All right, we're going to start with you, Matt, because I know Mark is going to be long-winded, so I want to make sure that you get some stuff to say in. Mark, just prepare your notes, get the get the binders ready. Get your get I'm your... just like I'm worried that he might say the thing I talked about you before pre pre show. And like I just like I want to be the first one to say it almost. But it doesn't matter. No, Matt goes, Matt goes. Cause like I told you, what I told you is I would love I would love for someone to say the same idea that I had, because that also would be exhilarating too so that's that's why I'm, that's why i want it because i get giddy i'm just like that's what i am let's do this let's do this matt here's what i want i just want people to understand our context first of so course. i'll start i'll up to this point of the season i would give this show as a whole the whole season a 5.9 out of six. Oh, it I went up the, oh, well it did and I'm, I'm sticking to the like length of the show is still a problem for me i think these episodes are still too short I'm very concerned, and I'll talk about this later about Max next week's episode. Max wanted them to make a movie for every episode. He wanted each one an hour and a half long. <laughs> I've, no. I've I've listened to every uh, WandaVision episode that you have done, and I applaud you, Max, for sticking to your guns. <laughs> uh, and I agree with you that these episodes could be, like you said, and you've been consistent, at least five minutes longer. It doesn't yeah. have to be 10, 20 minutes longer. Just five more minutes, one more scene to flush out a little bit more i completely agree with you so you you stick by it i totally get if you're like somebody that's like this is the hardest of sixes i get it it's it's a great show i'm not necessarily fighting content on that um i would give this episode a six out of six this is to me the best episode of the season uh this has to me a top 10 scene of all time we'll talk about that in all of the mcu in my opinion and i i thoroughly enjoyed it so that's my broad strokes uh, thoughts on the season in this episode. So, uh, Matt, share those with us, and then we'll go to Mark. Familiar with your rating, I'm going to give it a 6 out of 6 because I'm a guest, and I don't want to be my usual, I'll say my nitpicky self for the original Duke podcast. Um, this episode uh, is not perfect, but it definitely warrants a 6 out of 6. Um, I, I'll i say that I missed seeing uh, Monica, Vision, and uh, and Darcy throughout this episode. But regardless of that, it was fantastic. Uh, nothing short of fantastic. And I don't want—I don't want to say too much because I want—I want Mark to get his piece out there. So, I do too. I'm I've, uh, Mark's been like really adamant about talking about this thing that he's been talking about. So I want—I want to let him have his moment. So Mark, yeah, Mark. So before so before everybody talks, give us your ratings. Then dive into you can go a little broader on it. Yeah, six out of six. I think it might be one of their best episodes. Of the season, that's my opinion. And I think the scene that Max might be talking about 
is the intimate scene with Vision and Wanda in like mm-hmm. the flashback, which I feel like if that's not the reason why um, Elizabeth Olsen wins doesn't win an Emmy for that, it will be that's just damning to the organization that gives out Emmys. Um, with that said, all right, here is my wild take. We're just diving in. I love it. I I'm, I don't even care. You're you're here. You're here for the wild takes. And I'm giving it to you right now. I'm strapped in. Here we go. Second rewatch. Watching it with my beautiful wife, Kelly. There's a scene where it's the first flashback where he, she's a little girl. She's 10. We know that she's born in 1989. We know her parents die when she's 10. So we're assuming she's 10. It's 1999, right? Are you all following me with, you, with me so far? Yep. Dad opens a briefcase with the DVDs box sets. Right. Right? 1999. In the box set is Malcolm in the Middle. DVD, that D, that that series doesn't debut until 2000. Yep. The DVD box set doesn't debut until 2002. Wanda Maximoff's father is a time traveler. <laughs> that is off the walls. I do not. Buy and I that looked it slightest. up. I looked it up. Right, I have it right here. I believe Region you. One first season doesn't even come out until October 29th, 2002. I think the timeline is fuzzy. It is not fuzzy. I think it's fuzzy in that regard. Whoever that person is, who might not even be her real father. Oh, we know it's, I mean, it shouldn't be her real father. Exactly. That dude stole those kids from a different reality because we are led into this thing that she already had these powers. I am now saying that the, the, the Maximoff twins are not from this from this universe. That is a much different theory than what I thought you were saying. And and the big the big drop that's going to happen see episode 9, Magneto shows up. I would love that. Whether whether Paul Bettany meant an actor that he's wanted to act with since he was a little kid, you got to think of someone that's older than him unless he was referring to himself. There's that that twist I've seen. It's Ian McKellen. Ian McKellen shows up as Magneto. I think the timeline might just be a smidge bit fuzzy, and I think they're going to talk their way out of it. However, I do believe there could you're telling be credence. Me, you're going to tell me they're going to be like, hey, her father, or father in quotations, had this fast tracked on the Malcolm in the Middle DVD box set? Oh, now, now, I mean, it's Sokovia, so maybe he just created his own bootleg version. Of a show that doesn't even exist yet in their timeline? Yeah, but it's off by like two years. But, but, do, but, but do we know she's 10? Yes, because that's what Jimmy Woo says is... Wanda born in 1989. Oh, that's right. When the parents died. Yes, right. Yeah. Yeah, when she was 10. So we're, we're at least as an audience told that it's 1999 during this scene. Here's here's what I think. I think that the Malcolm in the Middle DVD was in there just to communicate to the audience, this is why we've been doing this show this way. I think, and, the, and kind of like how we fill dreams with random gobbledygook How, however max i gotta yeah. say this before you go to that then why have us show us that she's watching it in a different scene of malcolm in the middle because like, that would have that been, been more been that would have been more up to the timeline of what but you're she would about. if that's a new box of dvds she had would have never watched it because it got blown up yeah yeah for sure i i think those were separate dvds she went and bought no, I, under, I understand that part, but I'm just saying, like... You think Avengers Mansion can't afford, you know, to stream anything? <laughs> well, apparently they complain about coffee grounds in the in the sink, yeah. so... that's true. Yeah. All right, so that's my wild take. 
that I was getting to get off my chest. I mean, Mark, here's, I don't think that's it, but honestly, Mark, even if that's not it, there, I think there could be credence to like, she's not from this universe. I absolutely think that could be a real, a real thing. I, I don't think that's crazy given everything we've learned about her, but. And she said she was going to, or her, the dad said she was, he was going to sell them tomorrow. So like, who's going to buy a Malcolm in the middle box set of a show that's maybe not even airing in Sokovia. To use your logic, I would I would ask you, are you from Sokovia? Do you know how Sokovian culture works? Yes. No, you're not from Sokovia. You don't know that. Sokovia is a You don't know that. Well, everything's made up. It's it's the poor man's Latveria and everybody knows that. <laughs> let's talk about let's break this down uh, by characters. Fortunately in this episode there's this kind of a, it's an Agatha Wanda heavy episode. Yes. I think we get a lot of information in this, though, and I, I think a couple of things really floor me, and we'll we'll talk about those as we go. But I really want to start with Agatha. Were you more surprised, Matt, that Agatha is basically from the six, late 1600s, so you know she's she's hundreds of years old, or were you more surprised to find out that she knew very little about what was going on in this world of Wandavision? Being the uh, comic, especially Marvel nerd that I am, none of that actually surprised me. Um, the only surprise was that Marvel actually stuck to a very comic book origin. Um, you know, I knew from the comics that she was from Salem, um, so th- them showing that, I was like, "Hey, okay, cool." And then they went about with uh, the fact that she was pretty much there to learn. She was analyzing. Like the whole thing was her learning. And if you're a comic reader, if you you know, or if you probably know, but you may not know if you're not a comic reader, that in the comics Agatha Harkness teaches real magic compared to the mutant power magic that um that Wanda is born with. She teaches Wanda real magic uh, in the comics. So and that's why she was showing her these basic spells and was like, how are you doing this when you don't even know about runes and you don't, you don't know anything, but how are you doing this? You haven't, you know, and she, you could shout out to what's her last name? Catherine. What, what's her last name? Catherine Hahn. Hahn. Shout out to Catherine Hahn for portraying beautifully the frustration of when you're good at something. Like I've, I experienced this in basketball because I was not naturally built for basketball. I got good because I worked hard. But when you come across those players who just walk out of bed and can do things that took you hours and hours and hours of practice to be good at, you, you want to you wanna grab them and be like, you just want to <laughs> shake them because it infuriates you. And that was what, what she portrayed. Catherine Hahn portrayed that frustration perfectly. Like, I've spent years, and for her, hundreds of years, learning how to do these spells and do different magic and you're just a prodigy and you can far surpass me she did a amazing job in portraying that frustration when she's explaining to wanda you know what she was doing and just going over the whole spiel of, of magic there it was amazing what i really work. have appreciated about this show man sorry for cutting you off man. No, it's good. I, what i've really appreciated about this show and mark you've alluded to this too mark you're saying I think Elizabeth Olsen's crushing it in this show. And she is. Matt, you're saying, I think Catherine Hahn's crushing it in this show. Oh, everyone's crushing it in this show. And she is. And I, I was just going to say, for me, and, and we'll talk about him later, but Paul Bettany 
This is the best Paul Bettany we've gotten in the MCU, in my opinion. I hate to I hate to go back to episode one, but I'm a huge like Dick Van Dyke is one of my favorite yeah. shows of all time. When I watched that, and probably unless they were big fans of the show like me, they didn't notice it. But Paul Bettany nailed Dick Van Dyke in that episode from the facial expressions, the way he leaned, the way and and she and Olsen did a, a pretty good version of her as Mary Tyler Moore, but Bettany killed it. It was amazing. Like I I am floored to this day on how well he mimicked Dick Van Dyke in that episode. He has been outstanding. I know over the last couple of weeks, one thing that's been going around with us, and I know with you too, has been Agatha is a air quotes good guy. Matt, you kind of alluded to this, too, of, like, she's not going to say bad. She's just, you know, hundreds of years old trying to figure things out. Do you think this episode, Mark, pushed you towards, okay, she's not necessarily the villain of this show like we kind of were sold last episode with the Agatha all along sound, soundtrack? Or are you under, still under the impression that she is working for a higher entity? That's where this power-absorbing power comes from. Even though at the beginning she kind of says I can be good, and the mom's her mom still kills, tries to kill her. Where are you at with this character right now, Mark? Well, I mean, the character in the comic book struggles from being bad and good, whether she's controlling it or not. Um, I think I break it down like this: I have no idea what the, the blue magic represents. I don't know what that's tied to. Um, I've been shown in the MCU that purple magic means. Um, the Dark Realm, or Dormammu. Um, Yellow Magic is Wizards, and that's what's going around the book. And now Red Magic apparently is Chaos, whatever that's whatever that's tied to. Um, going back to last episode when uh, Zane brought up the... What was it called? The Darkhold? No, the uh, Necromom- Necronomicon. I believe he also talked about the Darkhold as well. You and I talked about it because connected more with agents of shield okay anyways um just tied with that and that book that she probably stole from the ancient one or from the library um if you notice because i rewatched uh dr strange and there's a book missing with the ones that have the hexagons around them i don't know so like to answer your question with all that information i've dropped and you know taken in myself it's kind of hard at this point to tell and it's like yeah i can speculate yeah she's probably curious and wondering well, hey can i teach or learn from this person or why is she afraid of her at the end of this the show because it definitely seems like she has she knows that wanda is more powerful than her right um so it'll be interesting to see if this last episode still has a bigger boss layout unless you know the, the final episode is going to be the vision v vision i'll probably name the episode double vision but you know whatever <laughs> something like that no i i was struck by I, I really was struck with that opening scene um i know there had been rumors on reddit that there was going to be a salem witch scene one, one more thing to, to add on to that where i think yeah. she might be working with someone um her mom indicates that she's been um going like above like with the, i forget the word that she uses i don't know if she uses like dark magic or she said dark magic. She said you've been um, using dark magic and using magic above her age and station. Yes, okay, that's what she said. And I forget because Kelly pointed this out for me. I think there were like 
dead animals around her, I think, or... Or what was it with dark dead? Like, oh, yeah, she was tying it to, like, Sparky being dead, where she uses blood magic. And blood magic ties to, you know, if you want to go just straight, like, what you think blood magic is to demonic, which may lead to... Back to Mephisto again. Yep. Mm -hmm. Or Nightmare, and then they're really going to the weeds. You break down the music theory of the song, and the the WandaVision song uses the tritone, which is the devil's interval. (laughs) There you go, people. (laughs) I have went into the weeds for you in episode eight. Mephisto's back in the game. I think he never left the table. He might have went to the corner. You almost (laughs) pushed him off, but that sucker is still here. Even if they give, even if it ha- happens to be Nightmare or nobody, they went above and beyond to make us talk about this stuff beyond the time of these episodes. It's, I know we, I've talked about this every single week, and I'll say it again. It's like having six seasons of Lost in nine episodes. It's been <laughs> remarkable. They have done such a good, like the attention, and I think this is why, Mark, to get back to your three at the beginning, I don't believe that that's it. I think that was just Wanda putting that in there to say, yeah, this is why these are the sitcoms I loved. I'm just putting it in this moment as a dream. I, I really, really think the attention to detail on this show is so impeccable that that just doesn't seem like a quality reason to me. Sure. And and that's what, I, again, talking with my beautiful wife, Kelly, um, is these are probably just a bunch of red herrings. So then we do talk about all this stuff and once every episode's out and we watch and be like, oh man, it was just pretty much in our face the whole time and nothing nothing too big or crazy really went on. Yeah, well, but, I mean, and it's it's tough too when you have Loki down the pike, right? Like, I mean, in, in the Loki trailer, goodness. we saw a picture of the devil on, on the windowsill. Like, I just think yep. they're messing with us. They know that. Matt, Matt what did you think of Catherine Hahn's jokes in this, man? Like, I, I love how she can bounce back and forth from being super serious, a clear threat, like, those first five minutes tell us she's a huge threat to Wanda. But then also, I just love how she's talking about she's mocking her accent. She yes. still kind of stays in sitcom mode. She prized, but she's also an ally, it feels like. How do you feel about how do you feel about that part of her performance with Catherine Hahn? I think, like, like I said, she's killing it. And Catherine Hahn has... I'll, I'll use a wrestling term. There's baby faces and there are heels. And Catherine Hahn as Agatha Harkness, she is a tweener. She can work face and she can work heel. And the character in the comics is also like that because no, she's not a good guy. Um, but she, you know, she raised Franklin uh Richards and she has been helpful to heroes. She was helpful to Wanda in some certain circumstances she wasn't so helpful to the heroes because she has her own agenda and i think that they are portraying her amazingly they wrote for her amazingly and Catherine Hahn is just you know hitting it out the park with showing that dichotomy that she has her own agenda she may or may not be working for Mephisto or nightmare we don't know and i personally hope even though i was hoping for it i'm hoping that it's not just so that they're, you know, I could imagine the Disney execs laughing that like, hey, we got him to talk about Mephisto this entire time and, you know, he's not there. Um, I, that would just be a great punchline. But <laughs> Suckers. She, yeah, <laughs> like, I gotcha. Um, she's, she's done an amazing job. And I think it's true to the character and that 
Agatha Harkness has her own agenda. But I believe that her I believe that her agenda will help bridge into the, the multiverse of madness and expose so much of what is going on underneath the surface. So um, I'm, if I'm jumping too far ahead, chastising. But, no, you're, you're not. You're not. Um, I, I think I think that's a fair point. And it gets to the feedback I have about this show is you're telling me you're going to close all this up in 50 minutes because that's the rumored time for episode nine right now is 50 minutes. Well, how much of that is credits, right? I mean, I I, I don't know. I'm with you on that. I, I do think they have the luxury of, all right, we'll finish Wanda's part here in the next movie. So let's 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 an, let's analyze the real reruns, which was also fantastic that they went that you know went that route of right. mocking her with the reruns. So she's in Sokovia. The family gets blown up, and we see the Stark bomb that's flashing, and one oh, the lighting, the reds flashing on her face, but Pedro Pietro's face stays blue. Beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. You see her reach out. Agnes, Agatha pulls her back out of the memory and it's like, did you stop the bomb? And she's like, no, but she's like, and she says it, you used a probability hex. And it establishes to me, it establishes that Wanda had powers beforehand. And like every other mutant, your powers don't kick in until something traumatic really happens. And that's where it kicked in because then later on, when she is uh, at the Hydra play, uh, Hydra outpost, and she's about to touch, you know, go to the Affinity Stone. Ag- and when Agnes pulls her out of that one, she's like, "Okay, so exposure to the stone magnified. I'm sorry, amplified something that would have likely died on the vine." I, uh, this this is like mind blowing. You're kind of going time down. traveling, father. <laughs> <laughs> Mark's going to die on this hill that Oleg is a time traveler. Dude, I saw this today. I literally got back from the farm. We got Taco John's. We watched watched the episode, and I saw the Malcolm in the Middle box. I'm like, hold on for a second. Like, just a TikTok where it's just like, you know, new secret part five. Like, that, like, whole thing just, like, went over. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yes. Mutants exist. Maybe not in this universe, but they're being pulled from somewhere. Does this make Wanda essentially the most powerful person in the universe? I know the Eternals are coming down the pike, and I know Galactus is probably out there, and you know certain characters are still out there. But she almost killed Thanos, and this really is like showing to me that. I mean, it, it, Kevin Feige's like touted it, but now they're showing it to us. You know what I mean? We we ne- we saw it for like a minute in Endgame, but we haven't seen it up to this point. Agatha like doubles down, double downs on that, where it's just like you you have powers that are were myth. And, and like you said, it's like they, they shoved it into your face where it's just like, yep, she's super powerful. She's probably the most powerful person you've seen on screen so far. One of the side notes I wanted to make was when she was sitting in the uh, Hydra facility, she was watching the Brady Bunch. And it's the episode where Cindy has the doll. Yes. That is the same doll from the epi- from episode three that Vision was changing at the table when they were preparing for kids. Yes. Uh Blue that blew my mind. I was like, and again, that goes back to the attention to detail. Yeah, here. the attention to detail that they've taken is, is fantastic. Remarkable. And, and it's it's so similar, yet different. Like the Dick Van Dyke living room was very similar but different. The the Brady Bunch living room very similar but different. 
And like I had, they had me racking my brain on the family ties. It's like this looks like family ties, <laughs> but it could be growing pains because they both had yep. similar intros. And I'm like, but this feels more family ties. <laughs> like they did so good with that. A lot of people felt like the '80s one was kind of its weakest one, to be honest. Um, really? That kind of. I heard that from some podcasts. And I was like, really? I was like, the people I was listening to, pop culture leftovers of the podcast. I was listening okay. to. Okay. They thought that was just a weaker aesthetic, and I was like, okay, whatever. I and don't see ep- it. But and okay. that's episode four, right? Yes. Because I feel like what I've seen like on your your um, on a pedestal, Rotten Tomatoes, is the episode three is the lowest one. So I just uh, find that I don't know. Like on just on a rating standpoint, unless stuff's changed. Like the last time I looked at Rotten Tomatoes weeks ago. So let's let's keep going through this. So Civil War. Let, let's talk about this scene. I talked about this at the top of the show. This scene with Vision is solidifies to me in a universe that has a lot of great love stories. It's going to be very difficult for people after this season to tell me that Wanda and Vision aren't the best love story in the show, in this series, you know, MCU um, experiment. Unbelievable writing. I thought it handled everything really well. I thought it, I thought Malcolm in the middle was, I didn't really, to be honest with you guys, I didn't get Malcolm in the Middle being included in all these. I loved Malcolm in the Middle growing up, but I wouldn't consider it like one of the most elite sitcoms of that decade. I really feel like this scene would not have done well without that, without that scene from Hal breaking that porch. But more importantly, and as I said, this is such a great portrayal of grief. We knew we were going down this track emotionally. I don't think we fully knew where how they would show it to us, but it was so subtle and much simpler than I thought it would be presented to us. And I really, really appreciated this scene. Uh, uh, Matt, what'd you think of this scene? This scene was this scene was amazing, and I'll I'll explain why. One, every other show, every other episode, I understood the the television reference until. The this one and the one before with Malcolm in the Middle because I've never seen an episode of Malcolm in the Middle, like like um, like Mark said it came out in the late nineties, and no 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 two thousand I'm sorry two thousand the late nineties because that would go against <laughs> I'm sorry, my theory you're right it came out in two thousand you know the, I was, the DVD box set came out in two thousand two you know I was, I was in region one it's very, so that's like so the United was, States and Europe I wasn't watching um. I wasn't watching it. I was graduating high school, starting college. Like I, I wasn't watching Malcolm in the Middle. You were adulting. Yeah, I was. I was adulting. <laughs> um, I was adulting earlier, but um, so my so for me, having zero frame of reference with the show, I am proud of myself that I did guess by the other episodes intro that it was Malcolm in the Middle, and I and I actually not having any frame of reference for the show, just knowing the very little I know about it, I understand why they went with Malcolm in the Middle. And not other sitcoms, because one, you, your family sitcoms, you didn't have that many core family unit sitcoms that were going on during that time frame. Your biggest sitcom at that time was Friends, and the only one that was really centered around a family unit that was very popular was Malcolm in the Middle, and you didn't have a family centric sitcom that was really super popular. Um, again, until Modern Family, really. So you're because you're, you're coming off the '80s and '90s where you had a cusp of great family-centered shows like The Cosby Show and you know Fresh Prince of Bel Air and you know and you know 
Roseanne and other family unit based shows, Malcolm in the Middle came around a time where there weren't that many. So it makes sense to use that that show. And it's really special for me not having a frame of reference because it actually spoke to me really well in how they used this scene and how they used um, the, 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 the joy out of seeing the pain and how they related it to their conversation. And me not having a nostalgic reference to pull from allowed me to really take that in um, you know, with a lot, with a certain freshness without having, you know, to have it ruined by any familiarity. So this scene really jumped out to me because unlike the other scenes where I had to rewatch them because I was still bathing in nostalgia, I was able to really take in what the dialogue uh, and the emotions that were being portrayed were, were trying to get across. Mark, aside from your time travel theory, and Malcolm in the Middle. I know you have a... A reality jumping theory. Your reality jumping theory there. We'll call it that. What did you think of this scene with Paul Bettany and Elizabeth Olsen? I thought it was great. I, I think I ta- you know, mentioned it in the beginning. I thought, it, like, this is, like, the scene that they play when they are announcing her as a nominee for Best Actress in a drama or sitcom, whatever they want to call it, and then, you know, announce her as the winner and hand her the award. This is the scene they play. And him, too. They, they replay the same scene. I, I agree. I, I look at this as more Bettany than, than Olsen, but I think there's a very fair sure, point to ways. say that she... No, I think it's fair to say she's carrying it. This is her show. This is her show. Um, and I think that's fair. Uh, we go to the sword facility right after that. I, lo- I also love the transitions. I know it's subtle, but I thought the door transitions were great. How they made all the doors look different. I thought that was just It was a stuff. great way to go from place and time without having to make it more convoluted was not jarring at all it was yep. very smooth and i think that was a that was an interesting task they had to do with the the different scenes they had to do uh, hayward was lying the whole time this is another big um concept we'll talk about this with vision later but hayward lies about everything he lies about how she stormed in he lies about how she took things she had zero intent of taking anything and i think us as the audience kind of knew that she wouldn't be that aggressive when she got in there. We knew that there was something else to the story, but I did not anticipate her just breaking a window and crying and then walking out the door to get in her car. How did you respond to this, Matt? How did you like this reveal? Did this leave you with more questions? Are you pretty floored that Wanda essentially walked into sword peacefully broke a a large window because the Hayward is essentially he was antagonizing her into it. I couldn't believe it. They pulled the okie-doke on a lot of people, and I think they did a great job with it because they showed the video uh, to Wu and Darcy of her breaking in, and I think to Monica, too, of her breaking in and stealing, quote-unquote, stealing Vision's body. And then they followed that scene up with her storming out of Westview holding the uh, the drone that they tried to shoot her with. Yeah. So they really set the table of, yeah, Wanda's Wanda's pissed off, and she's you know she's here to wreck stuff. And then we see this scene where she starts off. You know she's she's got an attitude. She's not happy. She's halfway storming into into sword, but you know not fully. And she's you know she's demanding. She's she's distraught. And when I saw that, I was like, okay, yeah, she, you know, she definitely did not 
just steal his body. But then they try to get me again with her just using her powers to blast open the door. Um, Hayward lying does not surprise me because he's a fed. So, you know, I mean, the, I mean, gosh, you and Mark are cut from the same cloth. I mean, if, if there is, if there is a consistent trope in film and television is that the yeah. feds are lying. Uh, yeah, so little, little real world too. Yeah, so exactly. So he's a fed. I don't expect anything, you know, in, in this universe, you can't ex- believe anything you see on film either. You can't believe a video, you know, they can, you know, they can make anything. So, that that was not a surprise. The biggest surprise, honestly, to me, was that she got in a Buick and drove away. I was like, "Where'd this Buick come from?" <laughs> I was like, "What?" It was, I was a like, smooth ride. Yeah, it was, it was a great like, commercial. Where, where did she? Where did she? Like, did Enterprise pick her up? Like, where did she? Someone's got to pay the bills, Matt. Someone's got to pay the bills. Okay. I I got I got a comment. Like, once we get to the next part, like what happens after this. I ha- we have to bring this back up because I got I got questions. I will bring up. I got some details there. Uh, so I, that that was that was the surprise for me was the Buick. Mark, were you surprised to find out that? Were you surprised to find out that she did not take Vision's body with her when she got into the Buick? Not surprised. What I definitely focused on was Hayward and Matt brought this up. Hayward and yourself brought uh, his like attitude. It's like he kind of expected her to show up. At some point. Yes. And like they put this in the timeline. Um, what it's three weeks after or three weeks in a day when Monica goes back to sword. She goes here. A day goes by. She gets shot out. So it's been three weeks in a day. She said or Hayward said it was when they showed her the video nine days ago. She broke in. So that means 10 days go by from her being snapped back to going to sword. So she had to find out who had. Vision's body, because obviously Vision's body still wasn't in Wakanda, so someone had, in five years, swooped up Vision's body, brought him a sword, if that's the the clean route, that's what happened, we don't know if he bounced around before he got the sword. Like, the only way, this is a great side note you bring up, the only way that's getting out of Wakanda is if the Avengers bring it out. So how did they get it from the Avengers is a very, like, I think that warrants an answer. I want to know how they got it. I think because of the Sokovian Accords, I think somehow they had um, like legally, had legally, to give back. yeah, legally claims over his body. That just, I just would have loved to hear the Wakandan dialogue between America on that. But Wakanda w- would have been without uh, their king. No, I think Wakanda let him let the Avengers leave with the body, so you know, so go go bury your your dead comrade. Like that's to me what that. that but then Sword swoops in, and Captain America's like, "Okay, fine, just take him, whatever." I want to say this real quick, Mark. This is my crazy theory on this whole series so far. I think Hayward is not only a scroll; I think he's a bad scroll, and I think this is the first pillar of secret secret invasion. I think he's trying to really get Wanda to go bananas because he does not because she's the biggest threat in the Avengers. And and I think you know we learned something down the road, but I'm not gonna bring that up yet. Um, I think the reason why she waited so long, I bet his body was set up, but he's like, hey, I want to get people in there. They're like grind on him to kind of get their juices flowing to see if she does anything. I'd be willing to put some money on that. He's a that that he's a he's a scroll right now. I'd, I'd be willing to put some money. I I would I would I would agree with that because only because. They did Fury as the scroll in the comics, and they also kind of tried to pull an okie doke with um with bad Nick Fury before. So I don't think they're gonna go visit that well again. And you need another you need another Fed 
you know, big time, you know, in, in charge of a big organization to to pull that with and you know, no better than Sword. Also, too, I think anybody that knew Rambo's mom would not treat her the way that she's been treated in this series. I think the way he's treated her is a big sign that that's not him. But people have been saying online, this is one thing where, like, this would be the argument against this, to play devil's advocate here, or Mephisto's advocate, um, <laughs> is he he survived. He did not get snapped away. So he has had to live with five years in anxiety. Kind of, kind of if you go down the, the Iron Man route, when he created when he created Ultron, like to, you know, have another armor around the world. So that's why he wants to build up Ultron. And maybe he's had five years to try to um, rebuild Vision and nothing's worked. And he has this idea that, hey, I need her powers probably to reassemble him. So he's probably hoping. And then jumping back to that, how did he know that she had the power to bring people back from the dead? There's nothing that he would... Why would he know that? And there's nothing that we've seen that would b- make us believe that. She's the biggest threat on the board, I think, right now. I think no, she's the hang biggest on, you're threat missing, on the board. Hang on, you're missing what I, the point I, I said, though. How does he know that she could bring people back from the dead when she doesn't know that? Hey, you're, you're, you're going in a little more of the magic and demonic route. He said that. Hayward said that to her. Am I wrong? Yeah. He, he implied it. He, he tried to get her to get him back, to get him, get him going online. Well, he, he, I, think, I don't think he knew... I think he, I think he recognized uh, up the connection between the two of them, um, and that and their, their the power of their relationship, you know how it you know emboldened and strengthened both of them. I think Agatha was the one who really understood the possibility that Wanda could bring back, you know, quote unquote, bring back the dead, and. We really don't, still don't know if that's even really what happened, because that's still an unanswered question. Because uh, even though she called him uh, fake Pietro or Fietro, I feel that's an okey doke that they're trying to, to to throw at us and try to be like, oh, forget about him. Because one, you, you don't bring Evan Peters in for for no reason, just to, for him to be fake, and then you don't throw him in that end credit scene for uh, episode seven, and where it doesn't look like he's being controlled. When he sneaks up on uh, on Monica, so we are on the same page on this. I, I'm, <laughs> I, yeah. I I don't I don't think that they I don't think Hayward knew that. Uh, I think he was just putting the two to two and two together and not really seeing what four was. But trying to I think these it are out. just two different storylines that are competing at the moment, mm-hmm. and that's going to branch out. But I get the thinking. We got we got to move on a little more though. Um, I mean, the Westview scene, we see essentially all the main characters. We don't see Dottie, Mark. We do not. We do not see Dottie. I thought that was interesting and convenient. Um, we learn that the heart on the calendar in episode one represents the deed that Vision left Wanda, which I thought was an amazing detail. Let's let's back up to this. This is to the Buick thing. Where and how did Vision get money to buy this house does vision get paid somehow well i'd imagine with the avengers he would what's like he's yeah like why like who's gonna why why would would you pay an android does vision have a social security what's he gonna buy does he have credit because he can't buy a house as as a new as an underwriter there's no way if he doesn't have a credit score yeah vision Vision has a thousand credit source of income these are these are the hard-hitting questions that you're asking right now 
be getting that house. Yeah, that's and a good probably point, same Mark. with probably Mark, same thank with, you. with Wanda as as a person who's not a, a US citizen and uh and technically a criminal wouldn't get a, a loan for this either. So someone had to buy this deed for her for them. However, the it could easily happen um if Vision, you know, talked to Tony and was like, Hey, can can you hook me up? That that's the only plausible way, but I like what you're thinking because he's he seemed to have done you know this very romantic gesture on his own, found some small sleepy town in New, I don't know why New Jersey, but some small sleepy town in New Jersey, you know, to have them build this house to to grow old or for her to grow old in, and you know have this happy little life. I was disappointed that. Max did not get his reverse Simon Williams theory because I really thought I was going to see it. I sure that would be it. I thought she was going to walk into a house that was being sold by a family named Williams and some man would have been there and was like, hey, can I show you the house? And yeah. then she explodes with power and it turns him into you know, this vision play thing. But I guess Wonder Woman 84 already took over a dude's body for, uh, you know, for a grieving woman's pleasure. And I don't think Marvel wanted to do that again. I, I certainly don't feel like they gypped us at all. Like, this series, I've never felt like, oh, the answer is not sufficient to me. Mark, I think you have a very great point. They didn't fully... Like, you did not see a clip of Vision handing that to Wanda. I think you have a point, but I think that's for a later time. I agree, though, Matt. I I, I wanted to see a reverse Simon Williams. That just felt like low-hanging fruit to me. But... It is what it is. A great way to bring Wonder Man eventually in anyway, so why not? Wonder Man's going to show up, I think, still. I think they're going to find a way. They th- That's a that's an, that's an Avenger. Like, I just think he's going to be in it somehow. He's a West Coast Avenger. Do they really count? For sure. They're totally going that route down the line. Mark, go ahead before I close this, or before I go to a couple more things. Um. Okay, so, like, in this scene where she, you know, gets to the house, and she essentially creates the hex and creates the house, Um, when she creates Vision, or her version of Vision yellow comes out of her yes. instead of red and not like you know yellow like um or the yellow orange that you know the wizards have or dr strange has yellow as in the mind stone yellow is she able to pull from the atoms that still exist in the universe from the mind stone to create vision is that what happened here here's my question for that well i i think that and that that's answered that was answered in the hydra scene because she went to a piece of the Tesseract, but what they showed was yellow when she touched it and not blue. So there's there's something unanswered there because obviously we see her using her powers, it's red. And so there's something there with yellow and the, the Mind Stone, because um, the Soul Stone was orangish, right? Yep. Yeah, see, it would make more sense if it, was, if it was the soul, like she, like part of her soul created him. But um, I mean, I guess coming from her mind as well. Like, but it's definitely mind stone related. And then with that, like we get the scene where he like basically fall, like not in this episode, but previous episode or two two episodes prior, where he starts falling apart when he tried to leave. Yes. Yeah. So my theory then with this is this vision cannot live outside of the hex. No way. So, at this point, at least. Because he was created in the Hex. I got a question about that in a bit that I think you can dive more into. So, <laughs> I, I'm like, I like on. the, like the wrap-up questions because all these, like, rabbit holes we go down, I'm like, I feel like they cover them all. I try to cover the rabbit holes because people love this stuff. Um, 
I would add to Mark, I to, to what you're just to add on what you're saying at the end. There's no doubt in my mind that we're getting either Avengers disassembled how, or House of M or both. We're going to get one or both because this is the direction we're heading. They should this just is the direction make it we're heading all. with all this. Like just make it all, all it, of it's, it. It's but it's just like I. It's going to be damning when it happens. So all this happens. Wanda finally gets back to air quotes reality as much of reality we can call Westview, I guess. In this series, we she runs out to the street. We see Agatha holding the boys, uh, choking them, and uh, it's it's we we get her final costume rating of the costume real quick. I give it a six. It looks great. Very canon to the comics. Oh, uh, Agatha. Mark. Yeah. Fantastic. She looks great. Six out of six for me, Mark. Six out of six. I thought the really nice touch were the black fingers, if you noticed that. And that she looked younger, too, I felt. Oh, she looked older to me. Really? <laughs> yeah, she looked older when she went She gave there. that 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 vibe from, like, the boys. What's her name? Um, The one that you couldn't tell if she was 20 or 40. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever her name is. Which, like, that's how I kind of felt watching yeah, her this whole uh-huh. episode. It's like, like I guess I, she's, we're supposed to believe, or obviously she's over 300 years old, but she also could... She looks like she could be twenty, or she yeah, could be. Oh, the not. Oh, the know. Nazi from the boys. Yeah. Yeah. She. She looks like she. She looks like she could be young, but she. Then you look at her like, eh, she could be forty. And actually, she's almost a hundred, or over hundred. Uh, we don't get Rainbow, Darcy, or Wu. We'll for sure see them next week, and we don't get Pietro. Let's go into the final questions here, uh, and then we'll get into the rest of the show. Thanks for sticking with us, by the way, guys. Oh, we're gonna do the end credit scene. Yes, I'll talk about that in just a second. Okay, I just want to make sure. I have sure. a question about the end credit scene. So, okay, okay. There was an end credit scene, White Vision shows up. All right, here we go. Questions for everybody here. Matt, who is Pietro? Is he from the X-Men universe or is he some from our, from the MCU? It would be idiotic, a colossal waste to bring in a face from the X-Men universe, especially since you own the property, to not use it for that purpose of bringing and introducing the mutants to the MCU. Um, So I'm saying yes, because even though Disney likes to try and trick us and pull the okie doke, they're also not stupid and they know this is a business and they're here to make money. And the way you make money is through mutants. Mutants make money. Mutants equal money. And they always have, even though the mute, the movies from Fox to me are terrible and their atrocities, they still made a ton of money. And the decent ones like Logan made a ridiculous amount of money. So you bring in mutants and, to, and I, there, I'll send you, I'll send you an episode that uh, unique DNA. I did where we built our own phase four, uh, where we suggested that the next big thing should be a versus X. Oh, that's coming for sure. That for sure is in the next decade. I think mutants, they they make money and you can't and you can't tell some of the great marvel stories without them or without wolverine he's like the hottest x-men out there i mean he's 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 with batman superman spider-man and physically he's up there like he's on that list completely agree matt i would echo everything you're saying mark anything to add <laughs> or subtract i guess the play mephisto's advocate again <laughs> um i'm a all in on matt, what matt said cuz i hope he is the x-men version but we get to kind of you know go back to are they pulling a red herring on this or however you want to say it uh, we see agatha turn that cicada into a bird 
So she has a power to turn yeah. basically anything into another thing. So we don't know if the Pietro that we have seen, the X-Men version, or the Fox version of Quicksilver, if that's really that Quicksilver. But the thing that like I think solidifies for me that it has to be the the Quicksilver from the Fox universe is how could she recreate his super speed? I just feel like if you have that power... How are you not creating a legion of army if you want if like whatever your plan is? It did that. There's, there's, there's no way she could create that because why would she be asking Wanda how she created uh, you know Westview and how she took years to learn how to turn a bug into a bird if she could you know raise a dead person or take over somebody and give them super speed? Uh, Two parter for Agatha. Who is Agatha working for? Is she or is she working by herself? How is Agatha so powerful? She's very similar to. Wanda, it appears. Answer those questions. Mark, we'll start with you. I think she came to this on her own accord. I I, I would believe, um, like, she came to Westview because she felt that presence, which also makes you think, like, how did Dr. Strange not feel this presence? Or maybe he did and something else is going on. Um, He's in Multiverse of Madness. I'm holding to that. That already started, I think. Oh, okay, okay. So I think, I this, th- is, I think okay. this is a symptom of that, personally. I, like, just because the purple magic, I'm going hard that she is, she was saved by Dormammu, and Dormammu has like some. She's like he. Dormammu has given her some heightened ability, unlike what we saw in Doctor Strange, where she's like not being consumed by him. Well, it's exactly what it's what Cassilius wanted in Doctor Strange to live forever. What's happening? She's living forever. But she apparently didn't make that choice, though. It, what we kind of got set up in the beginning of the show is like, yeah, she was chosen. So, or whatever magic she might have done that led her to be you know burned on the pyre. But Matt. Oh, man, I'm going to say both. I'm going to say that she's working for herself while being uh, while working for hopefully Mephisto. Um, I'm, I'm, I am hoping that Mephisto, even if it isn't seen, that is uh, alluded to that Mephisto is uh, behind the scenes. And I'm hoping Mephisto is the big bad that Doctor Strange is going to be dealing with. So I'm, I'm hoping for uh, a reveal that way. But I'm hoping... That it's, I'm hoping that it's true to to, uh, to kind for Agatha and that she's got her own agenda as well. Who is Ralph? I think Ralph is Mephisto, and that's why Ralph has been mentioned virtually every episode. I really I really believe Ralph is either Mephisto or Nightmare, and I'm hoping Mephisto. Yeah, he's. I think it's safe to say he's he's a part of the big bad, but maybe I'm wrong. I, this show's been I, I mean, it's got to mean something because this is one show that – We've mentioned, we've talked about the attention to detail. They don't waste dialogue. Mm-mm. And if they you're can't. saying something, not with their time log, not with their timeline, they can't waste dialogue. Right. Yeah. We'll they better not be. I'll tell you that they better not be wasting dialogue. <laughs> and and with that, I'm I'm gonna say Ralph is Mephisto because Ralph is another term. And I saw this too. It's another term for the devil. It's also a term for a wolf, and a wolf is also the form that the devil takes. So, you know, another deep dive down the well, boys. Who will win between Vision and White Vision? Second part of the question. Neither. Will either of them will either of them exist after the hex? I think the White Vision I think I think real Vision will win and I think Vision will cease to be part of this universe. That's my opinion. To set that up, so like the end credit scene is they're back with Hayward's facility. They're using the the drone that they sent in that has apparently the red stuff that's magic that's still going around. Use it to power up um white vision. And does this, my question is to just add on to this, does this white vision know that he's vision? 
the Avengers vision that we know. In the comics, he he just becomes an android again, doesn't remember anything that happened before, and, and but he's just control. Okay. On that note, I think we're gonna get a double vision fight, and I think neither of them survive, and I think Wanda's gonna have to see two visions die again, and that's gonna drive her insane. That's where I'm at too. We're on the same page, Matt. Actually, I'm. I think that. I don't think it's gonna be exactly that. My guess is that she is going to see the two visions fight and the two visions are not going to be able to defeat each other. And she's going to have, she's going to be so happy that she's, you know, has her vision back, but she's going to have to sacrifice him. Um, and willingly. So like she's going to lose again, but she's going to have to willingly lose. Um, and I think the visions are going to be fused. I think that you can't have white vision moving forward because white vision is boring and he's just an Android. He doesn't have all the personality that original and you know, married to Wanda vision had. And to do that would be a waste of Paul Bendy and a waste of Disney's money. Um, and especially after you built this um, and you built this amazing relationship and like you mentioned earlier about the relationship, like they're the power, they're the couple, they're the it couple. They are the couple now, and which is yeah. amazing to me because they were never the couple in comics. Like un- they were the couple in Infinity War. That's when they became the. That's couple. when they became the couple, and for a couple that was always, you know, C maybe B couple tops in the comics, they are the A couple now. So and you- that's so what a strange premise to have an android fall in love with a witch. Yeah, like what on. Earth. I mean, these, and they make it work. I mean, and and these are, and remember, these are C characters in most in the comics yeah. for most of their history. These are Dude, not they're A ele- characters. Yeah, they're elemental P characters. I, yeah, I, I mean, they're part of the Avengers, sure, but they weren't in the eighties and nineties. Nobody cared about Vision. Nobody cared about Wanda. Everyone like, cared about X Men. That's what they cared about in the nineties. Yeah, yeah, like no, All, no one, no one cared about these characters that much. So yeah, having them be the it, it would not make sense to to just abandon that. So I think that they fuse these two together and, you know, Wanda doesn't realize, you know, Wonder Man. Maybe that's Wonder Man. It, well, and White Vision can exist outside the hex. But right. so like, how do you find that way to fuse it? So like, I, yeah, yeah, I'm all yeah, that. that's that. Wanda, Wanda manipulates reality to fuse them together. That way Vision can leave her vision, can leave the hex. And it's going to be a different, it'll, it'll, it'll be a different vision because I don't think he will remember his time as an Avenger. Because that part of him is is gone with the uh, the Mind Stone, but we'll have this newer Vision who's, you know, has memories of Westview with forward. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah. I to add on to what you said, Matt. I think if she is making a sacrifice, the only way she's making a sacrifice is for those kids. It's the only way. I I think she'd rather the the whole city die than lose her kids. Personally, I think that's where she's at as a character. Oh, mo- well, no doubt about it. Will the hex grow? I'm going to say, I'm actually going to say no. Up to this point, I thought it would, but now I think the threat is wants Agatha wants to use Wanda to learn chaos magic. That's what I think. I, my thought is that they have set Agatha to be, you know, this, uh, this character that you just don't know about the entire time to the reveal. You know, it was Agatha all along. And showing, hey, she's the big bad. And everyone jumped on, you know, most people jumped on board. She's the big bad. She's the big bad. And I really think she is going to do what she did in the books. And that is teach Wanda to control her powers and real magic 
because Wanda is too dangerous as raw as she is. Wanda is just mm. too too dangerous as a raw power. Um, and we saw that in House of M with No More Mutants. And, yeah. you know, as they've, you know, beefed up Wanda's powers and or unlocked them, we realize, well, pretty much grief. You know, grief makes her go crazy. She breaks, she snaps, and more power comes out. So you need someone to help her rein that in. And I believe that they're going to eventually lead down that way where Agatha is going to help her rein it in and, you know, self-serve herself within that process. And hopefully, you know, maybe we see some, you know, Fantastic Four people show up because of this reigning in process. I guess we might train a thought with, as Matt said, just got to find, I think, yeah, I think she's not the overarching bad person than taking this in this. I think it's Hayward or if he's a scroll or Mephisto or whoever. And I don't think the hex is going to grow. Cause I think, yeah, I think Agatha is going to want to help her learn this magic or is more interested and curious about that. Will Doctor Strange appear? I think that's the hard yes. Yes. He's he's got. To. I mean, probably end credits, but it doesn't. Yeah, make- I think it's end credits now too. Before, I would have said he's like part of episode nine, but not anymore. I think he's in credits. Um, we talked about how it's ending, but anything, any craziness you you're anticipating for the ending? Full disclosure: I've got nowhere. I don't know where to go. I don't know where we're going. Unless it's another red herring, which apparently Marvel 2021 is just like, that's what we're going to give the people because we want to keep them on their toes at all times. There's not going to be a 10th episode, Mark. There's not. I just, no. That's not where I'm going with it. I love that. That's I'm just, I, I'm just putting it out there. There are people that ask that right now. I'm like, no. They're, they're marketing it as this is the last episode. Okay. So what I'm saying is, you know, we're supposed to still get the Skywalker level cameo. We got that already. Bettany was talking about himself. <laughs> Whatever. Let's say he's not talking. I'm serious. We're, we're I think he was talking about himself. Here. Yes, that's. I said that before. I think we're gonna get a big name X Men character, whether that be Ian McKellen as Magneto, Fassbender as Magneto, or an older looking Fassbender as Magneto, um, or maybe McAvoy. Sure, McAvoy, or maybe we get a Fantastic Four type of thing. Okay, so so you, you, you said you said Fantastic Four type of thing, and here's where I'm going to um, make the Infinity Bros universe cry. Um, I do not, Hurt me. in any way, shape, form, or fashion, want to see John Krasinski as Reed Richards. I look at his face, and I see a goober. <laughs> he looks like a goober. He does not look like someone who's intelligent in any way, shape, form, or fashion. And don't give me the whole Amazon Prime, Jack Ryan stuff because he still looks like a goober with the beard. I I look at him and I can't take him seriously as like the world's second smartest man. I just I can't I can't do it. Mark, <laughs> and he does not look like a, a man that that could get a woman like Sue Storm. Um, well, if you have his wife play Sue Storm, then like that literally has happened. <laughs> yeah, but see, I don't dig her. So, <laughs> who who oh, would man. you cast as Reed Richards? Top two people you'd want. It's tough because like you need, you know what? Who would be my Reed Richards? And I don't. If it was ten years ago, um, ten or fifteen years ago, I would say 
I would want um, Clooney to be Reed Richards because he's distinguished. Oh, he's articulate, oh. and he would oh, have my. enough gray. He could have those those flecks of gray that were were Reed is like at his you know at his best when they gave Reed that those gray stripes on the side. I don't know why. Like no one's naturally hair grows that way, but the gray. He's fifty nine. See, he's too old now. But 10, 10, 15 years ago, he would be perfect. Yeah, that's tough. And you don't, and you don't have to worry about him trying to be an action star because it's all, you know, it's all CGI with the stretching. Right now, man, um, dude, they're going. I, I'm just, I'm putting it. I said it last week. It wasn't really talked about. They're going a person of color for this. I think. I think they're going to go a biracial or multiracial family. I just don't think. I just don't see it. I, I think Marvel Marvel's making it very clear they want they want to diversify their their cast moving forward. That's fine, but I think I I don't think they will. I think they learned from the lesson that they didn't get involved with with that fan forced travesty of a film, and when when you've got all these people who are like, oh, how is Johnny Black and Sue's white? Huh? What? Yeah, that 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 part I can get behind. I think I'm more speaking to like. Reed and Susan being different ethnicities, and the kids would that will see Reed and Susan being different different ethnicities makes more sense than you know. Look, let's just talk about a little bit. We can suspend reality with movies and TV shows because it's rooted a little bit in reality, and the reality of life is it's extremely rare to have black families adopting white kids. It's not that common. It rarely happens. And not because we don't love white kids. It's just it generally the white kids are already adopted. Like it's it, it's not something that I look at it and be like, yeah, I can believe that. Yeah, that was that was just a strange choice. Mark, close us out here and we'll move on. Glenn Howerton. Hmm. I don't know who Ray that Richards. is. Uh Dennis Reynolds from Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I don't I don't hate that pick, Mark. I, I don't okay. love it. He, he has that smoldering look that is someone that's like, that dude could be intelligent. If not, if not Reed Richards, I know I was um Nick Cage for Victor Von Doom earlier, but now this popped in my head. He also would make a very good Victor Von Doom. I'm I'm kind of floored, like Matt, you actually kinda of nailed it with George Clooney man. Clooney like, would have been George Clooney. Clooney ten years ago would have been fire. And, I, and I'll for this tell role. you who would make a great Victor Von Doom. Oh, tell it, tell it. Who? My man. Um, I can't pronounce his name because it's one of those, um, fr- uh, you know, one of those European names I just can't pronounce. But the dude who played Jamie Lannister, um, Nicolaj, whatever, Coster, whatever. Oh, the uh, um, the, I know. Yeah, Nick yeah, Coster yeah, Wall yeah, Doom, something like that. He he would be a fantastic. Doctor Doom, in my opinion. No, oh, I think it's got to be Giancarlo Esposito. Personally, I, I think he would just Jean Giancarlo's too old. Oh, he he's would, fam- oh. I mean, Giancarlo's amazing. Here's the thing: again, reality. Uh, Giancarlo's too it. old, and Latveria is a European company. I mean, company European country. Um, and he, 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 again, I know. He, I just want. It, I just want it does, him. It to would do not it. make any sense to have this one black dude ruling this extremely homogenous country. Yeah, you're right. Also, um, back to the Reed Richards. I had one more because it just popped in my head too. The guy from Bridgerton, the Roger Jean Page, that dude has the look. 
for Reed Richards. I'm just, no. I'm seriously, still I'm all stuck. in on that now. I'm still stuck on Clooney. I'm like, man, he that's absolutely. You're gonna have to get over it. It's not gonna be Clooney. It's not gonna be Nick Cage. If they started, if they started the MCU and they had Clooney, it would have been amazing. And I'm not even like a Clooney guy, but he would have been amazing. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Um, let's head over to nerd news where we talk about the things in pop culture that are hitting the news. Mortal Kombat trailer came out a few weeks ago, guys. We talked. We this one was kind of surprising to me for a couple reasons. One, I totally forgot that a Mortal Kombat movie was coming out. Full disclosure, totally forgot. Two, it was a red, a rated R trailer, so they showed things. And three, and I'll just start before I ask you guys your opinion. They blew my, they blew the doors off of this trailer. This is. This is one of the most surprising trailers I've ever seen in my life, much less this year. I think they did a tremendous job. Six out of six. I had zero interest going into this movie. I was not going to watch it. Mortal Kombat's cool and all. They're even adding a new character to this. I absolutely loved it. I thought this was a great trailer. I was shocked. I This could be a long-term franchise if they do this correctly. Six out of six for me. Matt, what would you think of this trailer? I was, I'm not, I'm a Street Fighter guy, so MK has always been, you know, second banana for me. I figured I was going to watch the movie, especially if it comes out, you know, like an HBO Max, because I don't have to worry about paying to go to the theater yes. to see it. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, you know, look, to be honest, I didn't watch the trailer until you mentioned we were going to talk about it because I just, I was like, yeah, I'm, you know, Mortal Kombat's not my thing. You know, I saw the first movie. That's literally how I felt before I watched this trailer. I totally get it. My, I have the trailer was was well done. I have one problem with the trailer, and it's a, and it's not that trailer in particular. It is modern trailers right now. Is you're giving me too much. You're showing me way too much. I should not see scorpions get over here in a trailer because I'm waiting to see that in the film. If you want me to see the film. You can't give me too much because now I've already seen, I've already seen like five fatalities and the get over here within two minutes. Like what, what am I going to see the movie for? I got, I, you know, like you've shown me everything that I really want to see. You showed me a fire dragon, you know, like what else is left? I think it's, it's a fine line to walk too. It's, and it's, we see, and we see Jax getting his arms cut off and then with the metal arms. Yeah, Jax so loses like, his arms to sub zero. We see the new character. We see a fire dragon. We see the get over here. We see Scorpion, I'm a Scorpion, sub zero kill like eight cats. Like what else is left for the, for the movie? Like, I really don't know what's left. All a bunch of exposition from Sonya Blade. Like, I, like <laughs> what's your, what's your yeah. rating of this? What's your rating of this, man? <laughs> My rating for the tr- for the trailer is a four because they gave me way too much. You know, Kano, Kano with the eye beam, way too much. I think there's more to it, but I could be wrong. If, especially if it's an HBO Max movie, I could be very, very wrong, as we learned with Wonder Woman. Mark, uh, what was your thoughts on this trailer? I like. I get why they do the get over here and show you so much because they want you to get hyped for it and come watch it. But it's like stuff like that. It's like I know it's going to be in there, so why show me now? Why not just like. Make me anticipate while I watch it, like when it's gonna happen. Yeah, exactly. Or fake me out, like have him, yeah. have him throw it, and then cut to black and just hear him say "get over here" and not actually see him do sure. it. 
Yeah, I, I, I think for me too, Mark, what's your rating real quick before I share this story? Uh, 4.7 out of 6. Okay. I, I think for me, I just really like Makad Brooks. I thought he did a good job in Supergirl. Honestly, when he left that show, I thought like, okay, Supergirl sucks now. But Ludi Lin is great too. Mark, you know what Ludi Lin's in, right? Um, I do not off the top of my head. He's from Power Rangers. The new Power Rangers movie. Your favorite version of the Power I know Rangers. it's one of my. Well, I like that movie a lot. I'm very excited. I'm very, I know you like that movie a lot. I like that movie a lot. I, you like I, that movie a little too I much. I think Ludi Lin. <laughs> I have said I've gone on record. I think Ludi Lin would have been a great Shang Chi as well. I believe he even auditioned for the role. So um, I, I, on that topic, though, before we go on, who should Naomi Scott play in the MCU? <laughs> Susan Storm. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, no, I, I, I liked it, but I, I, I understand what you're saying, Matt. I guess for me, the reason I liked this so much was because I was in the camp of, I didn't want to watch it. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's a fine line. Like I had no interest. So honestly, you need to kind of give me more. Do you need to give hardcore mortal Kombat fan more? Absolutely not. We didn't need to see Jax's arms get broken off. That is a completely fair piece of feedback, but you know what? For Mortal Kombat, the two main characters that we need to see something from are Scorpion and Sub-Zero, in my opinion. I think we have to see something. Sure. We don't have to see so much. The quantity was high. I enjoyed it, but I could see why other people... Like tra Trailers used to be a tease, and they're not a tease anymore. And and that's the problem. It's the, for it's the trailer formula. Let's get to this trailer. And Matt, I'm dying to know your thoughts just about this whole concept. Okay. We've talked about the Snyder Cut a bunch of times. Mark and I are in what we would call a positive camp on this film. However, I even myself, for somebody who, when DC Fandom came out, I was like, this is the best thing about this this so far. In my opinion, that was the best thing. Now, even I'm starting to get fatigued at the concept of the of this Justice League movie. Before we break down how you felt about this trailer, are you like, what's your rating about the Snyder Cut occurring and happening? And you, That's a broad question, so go however you want with that. A lot of people have been looking at... You know, and waiting in such anticipation for this, you know, Snyder cut, you know, Snyder's going to save the DCEU. Oh, man, I just don't believe in Zack Snyder that much. Um, and to me, I, I don't know how much it's going to change anything from how goofy and bad the first movie was. Um, the tone, I, some of the good parts about the movie um especially some of the more lighthearted moments you're probably not gonna have you know aquaman sitting on the uh on the on the lasso of truth and you know spilling mm -hmm. his guts you're probably not gonna have that because this looks like it's supposed to be a lot darker a lot grittier so you know i don't know i can tell you that i'm not more intrigued to see it um I'll probably watch it because my fandom commands yeah. it. Yeah, your um, community's gonna need you to watch. It. Not not even just You're the right. community. Like I, I, it took me a long time to watch. I didn't watch Justice League until it was on HBO because you made a good choice. I, yeah, and I'm glad I did. And I watched them. Like I'm really, really glad I didn't pay money to go see this because um, it wasn't good. And I don't believe that Snyder adding on an hour or more is going to fix that. I don't think he can fix clunky, you know, dialogue where, you know, 
Aquaman is talking to Bruce Wayne out in public and he's like, dressed as a bat, Bruce Wayne, you're crazy. I'm like, dude, you're just telling everyone he's Batman. You realize that, right? I just, I don't think any amount of sepia tone and, you know, dark side and, and, you know, Jesus Joker is going to change all that. Gosh, Jesus Joker is the dumbest part of this whole new process, in my opinion, but I can't stand Remember, that Joker is supposed to be part of the nightmare sequence. So. For sure, Mark, but there was no need to even consider putting Joker in this. And I'm pretty excited about it. I, Mark, how many times have you watched this trailer? I've watched it in full twice. I've watched the Joker part probably ten times. I was going to say, I was kind of hoping you would go yes to the question of how many times have you watched it. Um, uh, what's your rating yeah. of this trailer, Mark? Because I'm very interested to know what you think about Gosh. this. Um, I don't know. I don't like going back to the original question about, you know, standard cut fatigue. Um, just give me the movie now, like F your trailers. Um, cause I, like, I like just wasn't all in. I didn't feel hype. Like, um, like I go back to like the Batman trailer, like the new one with, um, with Robert Pattinson. I love that trailer. I just, I watched that before we got on. Um, like I could watch that over and over and get hyped, but like now it's just like, okay, Give me the movie. You could have just, like, back to what Matt said, just give me a 30-second teaser of this. Just show me more Joker stuff. Like, stuff that's like, okay, yeah, the Joker's in it now. He's got some scenes. Oh, great. Now I'm more hype. I don't need a two-minute trailer. Yeah. I tell you what I tell you what I would like to see, even though I'm not a fan of Leto's, Leto's Joker. Um, something that would have, I think, visually would have been cool, um, showing the nightmare, but also um rang true to to batman fans and maybe helped little joker out a little bit is to have him be more like uh like hamill so if you had him in the purple suit and i don't know if you if either you remember from the animated series season uh, season the animated series where uh there's a scene where joker is just sitting cross-legged on a block and he's going down this uh ramp not a ramp but uh if you've worked in a, you know, in a machine shop or factory, you know, ro- a rotator, rotator belt. He's on the rotator belt, and he's just sitting there, and he's just grinning, and he's just doing the <laughs> that would and that was the black and white um, would have been creepy. It would have been very Jokerish, and it would have been so anti Leto Joker that it would have cast a better and different light on having him in there because I don't know many people who are interested or care that he's in it. Most of them are like, I don't want him in it at all because they're afraid he's going to, again, be the worst part of another DC movie. There's no need for him in this. There is, that, there, that, there isn't a need. There's no need. It's, it's, it is a marketing ploy. Now, see, you, I think the way they executed it from what I've seen, it is a marketing ploy. But to say there's no need at all, I believe, is incorrect because if you're establishing a, a different Batman, you know, you're if you're going to build from this, then Joker, Joker is that he's that main villain. So that to have him make sense if you're going to build off of it, if you're going to bring in a Jason Todd and he, he kills uh, and Joker kills him and you're going to grow from this. If you're not going to grow from it, then you're absolutely right, Max. It's a marketing ploy. It's a waste of time and space, and then I'm going to be pissed off about it. But I just, I just don't seem to think Matt, and I don't know, Mark. Maybe you've changed since we've talked about it last. But 
I just think this is their last rodeo with this. I think this is Snyder saying I'm giving everything I've got and what I wanted. And so that better, way down the line. It better rock my socks off like Lady Gaga. Does. Exactly. Because because he's talked about it for so years. Like, if my socks don't get rocked off from this, I it's just going to be disappointing. And he, and people are going to be like, you know what? Maybe we did need Snyder Cut. But no, we did need that freaking movie that I saw back in 2017. I paid 15 bucks for opening day and haven't watched it since because I couldn't stand the cgi'd out mustache of superman oh so bad because opening how does how does that get by anybody be like oh this is good check put it in the beginning of the scene because that that was the poorest pardon my language piss poor way to open a superhero movie it was it was so bad I, i i wish i'm gonna have to send you guys my uh my twitter feed my twitter feed of my twitter thread of when i watched that movie because Good God. I just, I couldn't believe it. The only good thing was. It's a grind, man. The only, only good thing was I tweeted and mentioned um, one of the actors who was in it, and he responded, and I, I enjoy his work. So he didn't have a big role, which is obviously why. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm excited about this this movie. I think this trailer, I wish this was the first and only trailer they had given. Yep. I think this trailer suffers from when it was given out, not when. Not, not previous, previous stuff. stuff. I think, I think this, this is, is the first trailer we got in general about Justice League. League. Without, Without Josh Sweden and all that, I, I think it'd be a completely, completely different conversation right now. But that, that is, is not the way it happened, happened. and it will be. It, 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 it's it's, it's, it's exact. See, I disagree on that because it's the first trailer. Of, I mean, I know it's the second trailer, but it's the first one I watched, and I'm still like, mm. nah, man. And I know too for you, you made the healthy and correct choice. To not watch that Justice League, you have a little more self control than I do. I think I, I just want to go watch them. I think. I guess my like just to jump back in again. I just hope this does well enough, where WB is like, you know what, we did good here with a you know buddy superhero movie. Let's make the Justice League dark, and then we get a good Justice League dark movie. That's what our I next story here. I think pretty much says that's not going to happen. Mark, it's a perfect transition. <sighs> Superman movie reboot will reportedly introduce a black Superman. It's a brand new era. This comes from comicbook.com. Brand new era for the Man of Steel is set to come soon with prolific uh, author Tahisi Coates teaming with J.J. Abrams from the T- DC Comics reboot of Superman. It looks like this will be a major change from the cinematic appearance of the character, though not one f- comic fans aren't used to, used to as, it rep- as reports indicate this take on Superman will be in fact be a black man. Uh, it was from Hollywood Reporter that seems to confirm that Coates will take, will involve a black, a black Superman. Excuse me. This also follows in the wake of reports that Michael B. Jordan was developing a similar Superman project years ago. I uh, yeah, I was gonna say if, if Michael B. Jordan's in it, it's a complete like that project. was my first thought. I was like, it better be Michael B. Jordan as Superman because that's what I want. But what what pisses me off? Well, see, I I love Michael B. Jordan, but look, I, I'm I'm gonna come at I'm gonna come, coming from this as a black man. There are times in Hollywood where they pick one black dude, one black woman, and they throw them in everything. And as much as I love Michael B. Jordan, he is currently that dude. Um, unless it's a comedy, then they throw in Kevin Hart. But he's right now that oversaturated black man um he probably would do great by it but i would personally prefer somebody different now two years ago when michael b jordan announced that he would like to do superman movie 
Unique DNA mentioned, Lee and I talked about this on the original Jig podcast, and I want to run this by you because I painted a picture uh, uh, for him of a trailer that I would like to see for this. One, this cannot be Black Kal-El. It, I don't want to see Black Kal-El. If you're going to give me Black Superman, it needs to be one of the established characters. It needs to be Val Zod, which would be my preference, or it needs to be Calvin Ellis. I don't want to see Kal-El as all of a sudden that. black. Um, so here's, here's my trailer. Imagine this. Close your eyes. Imagine this. Woman is going down a dark alley in Metropolis. Gang of thugs comes there, grabs her. They're accosting her, trying to take her, her purse. We see the all of a sudden a strong whoosh of wind comes through, blows everybody's clothes backwards, and the, the thugs in their shock stop. All of a sudden, another whoosh, and their, their weapons are gone. The woman, clutching her purse, runs deeper into the alley, and she stands in, of course, one of those lights that somehow magically is shining in this one area. And the criminals are still there, and they're just in utter shock. And the camera pans up towards the top of a building, and then it slams down. And landing in the three-point stance is Michael B. Jordan, dressed in the blue Val Zod uniform. He looks, he put, lifts his head up from the three-point stance as he stands up and looks at them and says, kneel before Zod. And then you have your Superman logo. You're, you're cool with Michael B. Jordan? Because what you just said is, is you're oversaturated with this actor. Oh, I'm oversaturated with, I mean, I would love, to, he can do it. And he probably will do it. I'm just saying that I would prefer it to be a fresh face. But I know how. So that's the direction I want to go with this because yeah. I, okay. I love your trailer out concept. I think it's I think it's awesome. I'd be like all in six out of six. Where would you lean then off of that? Would you lean towards more of a Jonathan Majors? I know we talked about him today because he's taking King. Like you and I are talking Majors, online on that. Majors has a I fantastic mean, build too, and unlike Michael B. Jordan, he's not like you know. I mean, I think Michael B. Jordan's five ten, like he's normal height, but Majors is like a legit like six three. Yeah, majors is majors would fill out the costume so much better in my opinion. Yes, most definitely. He would tower over people. Yes. Oh, oh yeah. Yes, he would. He and he people. and he would give that that look, that very intimidating look. Michael B. Jordan has so much range where he can be, you know, he can he can be intimidating, but he can be nice. He can be soft. Majors is he's intimidating. He looks like someone who you're not to mess with. Um, so he would be he would be a fantastic choice, and if he wasn't signed to be Kang, um, I would be all in on on majors for sure. I I guess just for me, after Lovecraft Country, to me he feels like the next up and comer. It feels to me like Hollywood will be going his direction more. Oh, definitely. So I would like him to slide into a role like this before, as you say, we get oversaturated with an actor like that. Mark, how where do you lean? Do you like? Are you like all in on Michael B. Jordan? Let's not talk about anybody else in this conversation. Where are you at with this? Michael B. Jordan is the safe Hollywood choice because he's got an audience and people go watch him, um, you know, no matter what he's in. Uh, I can't believe that we're getting a reboot Superman before we even get a true sequel to Man of Steel. That's fair. But I guess I'll just never get that ever. Apparently. And, and let's not act like Cavill doesn't look like the picture perfect Superman. Like, 
I, I look at him and I'm like, dude, you were born to play Superman. And maybe this is Warner Brothers' plan is just to have multiverse movies. And I agree with you, Matt. I think it has to be uh, Vlad Zod. I think that you gave me chills on my spine with the Neil before Zod. And I think that might be more played off as a joke than like, you know, him being a villain or a bad person. Um, but my, the, uh, I'm, for, I'm blanking on the actor's name, but the guy who plays M'Baku in Black Panther. Win, uh, Winston I, Duke. Yes, Winston, Winston Duke. Winston Duke would be great for him too. I would like him. I don't know how tall he is, but he's just like a big guy. And it's just like, that's what I want in a Superman. It's just like a jacked dude. I don't know why that's like in my mind. And if that sounded weird, but that's what I <laughs> It didn't sound weird. <laughs> Cavill was a no name too coming into Man of Steel. Am True. I correct on this? Um, excuse me, did you not watch the tutors? He was <laughs> a did. no name. You know what, Mark? I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and claim that I didn't and still call him a no name. Okay, Winston. I, and I think Duke that, is six that might five. be a direction they have to go Winston here Duke too. Winston Duke has to be Superman. He is six five. Yeah, Win- oh, wow, yeah Winston yeah. Duke is massive. Dude, he's so big that in Endgame he was running with all the heroes and it didn't you didn't like blink at all. You're like, yeah, yeah, he belongs there. <laughs> no, no CGI for him. He's probably the only one running on the screen when they did the <laughs> <Right>. filming. <laughs> it's all people in green screen, and then he's running his Wait, Winston Duke is alone in Africa running during this shot. <laughs> for real. Yeah. He's he's in the heart of Atlanta. They're all sweating. He's in that Wakandan outfit and they're out in their warehouse, wherever they film. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Uh, let us know who you think is a perfect Superman and give us your feedback on all this guys. We're running late on time. So unfortunately I don't think we're going to be able to get to the rumors today. We'll put those off for next week, but we will head over to the top five. D we're going at three infinity bros. Two top five. One list starts now. Is it already safe to say that next week, like, there's no way we're getting into little bits after next week? Oh, next week it has to be all WandaVision. Yeah, and then top the top five will just be WandaVision moments from season However, five, I want to tease you guys this with my hot... I had one I want to talk to you guys about. This could be off thing, but I got to say it really quick. So I'm watching... I'm, I'm in a rewatch of, like, watching WCW, WWF, ECW in sequential order. Um, I started in mid, middle of 96, or no, May of 96, and now I'm in, like, September... 97 watched um the september 22nd episode of nitro it's also the first goldberg episode of nitro um he wrestles uh hugh morris hugh morris comes out i hear his entrance music it's different this time it sounds just like the wonder woman theme um google hugh morris uh theme wcw and there's two of them and one will definitely give you the wow that sounds like the wonder woman theme like the new wonder woman theme so go check so it out. So are you claiming before again this is nothing to well, do with top here, five. I'm not claiming this. Um so it, it, in the 90s uh Turner Broadcasting got bought out by AOL uh Warner, Time Warner. So technically that song could exist in Warner property. So, they so when someone's developing that song, they take bits from it. It doesn't it's not exactly like the Wonder Woman, but there's like pieces in it where it's like, yeah. huh? If you like double track that, just go listen to it and let me know. That's what that's I, how that's music all I goes, though. Like that's how music is in general. Well, yeah. it just you know, Warner product, Warner song. And the no, movie was just as bad as watching a Hugh Morris match. So the second one, the second. Well, one I mean, was. Hugh Morris put together is humorous, so you know, bad humorous until but, he became General Erection. But that's a whole other story. Huge erection, yeah, I know. <laughs> there you go, Max. That was his name. That was on. That was on TV. That was can't edit that out. Said on TV. 
That was Yuki. Yeah, that was on TV with Major Guns and Corporal Cajun and Lieutenant Loco. Yeah, I got wild in the 1990s, 2000 WCW. Gosh. YouTube, I, this was the thing I did not like about you two being together on this show is I knew eventually we'd get down a wrestling rabbit hole. and Oh, I'm oh we would have. We would have if. Uh, I know. Some... I know. Well, I'm sorry. It's been two hours. Hey, I'm aren't sorry. Aren't you happy, though, when Matt used heel and babyface and you understood that reference i will to say that my education through of wrestling through you has really come into i totally understood what matt was saying in that moment. two years ago there's no way i understand that reference not even a, not even a chance but uh, education is coming I, it's i mean it, come on that's easy to to pick up though yeah, people know. call I'm bad just, people I heels never, all the time i never watched wrestling and it like i don't know it's it's a fun bit for Mark and I, for him to talk about wrestling and then look at me while I'm annoyed at it. I, for whatever reason, it, I think it brings him joy, I think. <laughs> I love it. Our top five for this week is top five guilty pleasures. Now, this one was a little tricky. I wonder if uh, some of the movies on our list will be viewed that way, but it's, it's to each his own. Uh, are there any honorable mentions that either of you would like to add? I have none. Uh, you know, this one was tricky for me because... Yeah, like, I, I don't. I, what to you is a guilty pleasure? It's like I went. I'll say I went with things that people would not expect me to like. Okay, I went ones with like, um, people didn't expect me to like ones that people don't like, but I love, and then also ones that like, I just can't get enough watching it. If that makes sense. That makes sense. I did the Google route where I was like, okay, what 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 do you, what does Google classify it? Of course. And then I saw that list and I was like, okay, there's one on this list that I'm like, I cannot believe is on this list. So I'm totally putting it on my list. Okay. Just well, because then, Google well, is then, calling it then this. Then I have one honorable mention. Um, okay. It's my favorite Disney movie of all time. Um, it always has been. And I sometimes, as a grown man, almost four years old, I watch it to soothe me myself to sleep. And that is The Rescuers. The original Rescuers, nineteen seventy-seven, absolutely love that movie. Love it. That's a great film. That's that's classic. All right, uh, we'll go number five. Mark, we'll start with you. Uh, my number five is Demolition Man. Oh, great choice with Stallone, Wesley Snipes, and Wesley Snipes, Simon Phoenix, baby. Isn't it the movie where like the shells are like the most expensive like thing in the world or something? Like there's something about the shells no, in the shells show? are there's three the three shells that you use to do something with the bathroom. They never explain how it works. And Taco Bell is like the biggest company in the world. And the fancy dining. Yes. <laughs> it's Taco Bell. Yeah, I haven't seen that movie in forever. There's number... rumors that there might be a second one. Oh, they're for sure going to at least reboot it, right? Like there's too much nostalgia with that one. Well, I I heard it was going to be a sequel, not a re- or if I said reboot, I meant sequel. Yeah, I heard sequel as well. We'll see. I mean, Stallone and Snipes are still kicking, and so is uh, Sandra Bullock. You can you can do Stallone it. ain't going anywhere for a while. I still feel like I feel like he's got some. He just seems like he's got a lot of health. I don't know how he's healthy with all the steroids he's taking, but First Blood twenty five well, I mean... with Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> uh, number five for me. It's funny you mentioned Disney because this is my number five. Sleeping Beauty. I defend this movie a lot. This, to me, is one of the best Disney movies ever made to this day. It, it's got a great story behind it on how they made it, but also I think this is the best Disney villain of all time in Maleficent. Sleeping Beauty is my number five guilty pleasure. So, Matt, go ahead. All right. My number five staying in the world of animation is the feature film 
A Boy Named Charlie Brown. Classic. Mark, number four. Uh, my number four is Mallrats. That's not. That's a good choice. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of surprised it's a kill. I mean, it's a, it is a cult film, but cult film. Not a lot. I mean, for its time, um, it was a bomb in the box office, and then you know, got more steam when it went on video. But it's just like that one's more of a like, kind of with maybe with you and uh, rescuers. Like that's my movie. Is just it's brings me back nostalgia wise to like younger days when, I guess I watched that when I was like. 10 probably yeah you watch it when you were too young to watch it yeah so like i like but still i love it and like i'm a big fan of kevin smith so dude that's literally for me number four with starship troopers that's the first rated r movie i ever watched like starship troopers is such a bad movie i love starship troopers i watched starship troopers the day my daughter was born in the hospital because it was the only thing on tv that i thought was worth watching <laughs> starship troopers whales Learn, learn learn a little something about it. Anybody that saw it, I think, generally in the '90s, loves that movie. Like if you saw it then, you like it. If you see it now, you're like, "What are these people talking about? Why do they like this film?" There are so many sketchy scenes in that movie. Oh yeah, like my wife's watching, like fresh off of giving birth, watching these movies. She's like, "What are you watching?" I said, "This is Starship Troopers. This is peak cinema." You just 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 say Casper Van Dien and a young Denise Richards, and that's all you got to say. Yeah, <laughs> and then Mark looks at the camera, and I'm doing my part. <laughs> and, like I just think of like Jake Busey and that. Like you're gonna take, like the only thing I could ever think about that Jake Busey's in is this this movie. Well, uh, Busey was in um, Enemy of the State. Sure. I... <laughs> But like, like my my main like that's what I'm saying. Like my main mind just goes right to Starship Troopers. Sure, like, like that's all he's in in my mind. That's like literally the only that's only movie JBC has ever done. Yeah, or TV show. I Nothing love it. Else. Sure. Uh, number four, Matt. Number four is um. So after success, um, I will watch you. I have a setup for this one. So before Steven Seagal decided to uh, make questionable films with DMX and Ja Rule, he tested out the theory with another black guy named Keenan Ivory Waynes in The Glimmer Man. Never even seen this movie. I've never seen it. The, or heard of the it. Glimmer Man is typical Seagal. This was following the success of Under Siege, um, but then the flop that was Under Siege too. Essentially, he plays a, it's convoluted, a former CIA or a former FBI, I forget. I think former CIA operative turned L.A. detective who is a pacifist Buddhist who gets paired up with a street-wise cop in Keenan Ivory Wayans. And they are um, investigating the family man killer, family killer, um, who kills families. And, of course, they don't mesh because, you know, the brother doesn't mess with Buddhists and et cetera, et cetera. And the action is not that bad, but I love Keenan Ivory Wayans. I'm a huge Keenan Ivory Wayans fan. And I probably yes. should have mentioned A Low Down Dirty Shame in my uh, honorable mentions. Um, I love that film. And, it's, it's you know, I enjoy it. I don't know why um, because it's not that good. And even Seagal's Akita when it isn't as strong as it is in others. Uh, but for some reason, I just love Keenan in it, and uh, the 
the bad guy was, you know, the one uh, was some was from Jag, and I was like, and he's out here kicking at Steven Seagal, and I'm like, you don't, I don't believe that you can beat him up. Like, there's there's no stakes in this final fight scene at all. Uh, but I, for some reason, I like it. I don't know why. But um, if it's ever on, you know, free TV, you know, watch it. You know, there's a couple funny lines in there. <laughs> Seagal is like Seagal fans are so loyal. Oh yeah, Steven Seagal. I mean, look, Seagal's got some great films. I mean, hard, you know, Hard to Kill was great. Um, yeah, Under, Under Siege is a I, I watched Under Siege last week. It's on HBO. I and it's a good movie, but then his bad movies like Exit Wounds, um, <laughs> they're, they're bad. Are really bad. <laughs> they're bad. <laughs> you know? His bad movies. Hey, are see, hey, Seagal. Bad. Let's make a movie with Ja Rule and Morris Chestnut where you're in jail and you're playing a Russian. How does that sound? I love it. I love it. Uh, Mark, number Steven, three. Hang on. Yeah. I got, back to Steven Seagal. Isn't there a movie where he's like, he plays the whole movie like sitting down or a majority of it? Like, am I, am I imagining something that doesn't exist? Like he gets shot and basically the whole movie revolves around him like giving commands while like injured. I don't know, but that sounds like a really bad Seagal movie. I love both of us. I love both of us have like such awkward silence. We're like, oh, but I hope Max says something. I hope Max says something because I didn't know where you were going with it. Okay, <laughs> moving on. Number three. We're, we're, we're going to scour IMDb for that film. <laughs> number th- number three for me is Ready to Rumble. And I watched this last night. Oh, wow. I You're dedicated. love this movie. And people hate it. It gave a bad rap to WCW. Um, David, Ar- it basically just railroaded his career. It put the title in David Arquette. Yeah, for like to promote the movie, and the movie still bombs. Uh, still love it. I still like. It's just like it feeds the nostalgia juices for me, and it's wrestling related. So you know, I love it. Yep, I know anything wrestling related. Mark's all about. <laughs> it's got DDP, so you know. Bang. Yeah. Uh, this is a movie that I don't think, I don't think either of you know about. This movie is called Lone Star State of Mind. It came out in two thousand two. Stars Joshua Jackson, Jamie King, Matthew Davis, uh, and DJ Qualls. You, yeah, literally like a random group of characters. I've heard this of it. Hysterical. I'm not gonna act like I've seen it, but I have. This heard of movie it. is hysterical. It's it's so funny. It's ninety minutes long. It's just great. It's a guilty pleasure. It is not a good movie, but it's great, if that makes sense. Not a good movie. You're not paying to go see it, but if it's on TV and you watch it start to finish, it's got some great laughs. This is my, like, I don't expect anybody to have seen this, but Lone Star State of Mind. I love this movie. I think you watch it on Prime Video. You can. I watched it, uh, like, two weeks ago. You did not watch Lone Star State of Mind. Yeah, so it's so funny that you bring it up. It's like... Shut up. You've seen Lone Star State of Mind. I, I've seen mostly every movie except for apparently the Glimmer Man. This, the, except for that, and I looked and I was like, "How did I not see this movie?" Like it's in the right time frame where I would like during during the days of video rental stores where my mom would bring me and I would get all the five for five for VHSs. Just sounds like a movie I would have picked up. But yeah, I've seen yeah I've seen it, Max. I, I don't know how that's a surprise to you. Have you seen that surprise? Max that's a surprise. I don't know many people. It, seen it is. It, it is on Prime. I, you know what? I'm going to add it to my list and see if I can torture myself. We lived it. in we lived in Texas for several years. It for me, it's funnier if you're from Texas or you know that culture. It's such. It's so dumb, but it's hilarious at the same time too. The main character is 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 girl. His girlfriend is his mother's his mother's boyfriend's daughter. 
It's, it's so it's just it's hilarious how they work. It's it's very funny. It's it's, it's that, classic that's, oh, that's white trash like, film. You know, Alabama, but okay. Yeah, there you go. Then you're getting the vibe. Then you're getting the vibe. You're picking up the vibe. Uh, number three to you, Matt. My number three is also uh, it's it's not a good movie, um, but it has two actors that I thoroughly enjoy, and for some reason, I overpaid at Suncoast Video to buy this movie because for some reason I love it. I paid twenty something on something dollars to buy a copy of I Spy, with Eddie Murphy and Owen Wilson. I Spy is so good. Oh my god! I, I love Eddie. I love the boxing yes. scene with Eddie, and my favorite is the um the sexual healing scene where he's trying to guide yes. him to try to seduce yes. Famke Johnson and Famke was looking fan freaking tastic uh in that film but that that scene alone um j- just hilarious oh my gosh I, you're bringing me back i haven't seen that movie also in so on long. amazon prime you could back to back oh watch man it i might i might be watching that <laughs> I, I might watch that tomorrow that movie is so Funny. All right, Affinity Bros. Universe, we are setting a movie playlist for y'all to watch. <laughs> My gosh, I Spy is hilarious. That movie is so funny. Uh, Mark, number two. My number two, and this falls in line with more, I, I think a lot of people like this movie, but uh, it's Mean Girls. My number two is Mean Girls. I Wow. I love this movie for some reason. It like... I don't know if it's because the year came out and, like, where I was as a person then. But, like, I still love and enjoy watching this movie. And I find it hilarious, even though I've probably watched it over a hundred times. You know, it shocks me the amount of men that I know who have seen that movie and love it, loved it. Like, I've never seen it. I've never seen a minute of it. But there are so many dudes I know that are like, yeah, yeah, I like Mean Girls. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, and you feel bad about it too. It's really weird. You're right, Mark. Like you do feel bad about like and to be out there. It's like not a sexual reason because it, it was not because I find them attractive. It's like I just really love it and just like it always felt like a movie. I as a man, I can be like I really love Mean Girls. I've owned it on DVD, Blu-ray, and have it on my streaming service. But it's not like you were the target demographic for it. So I can watch it no matter where I'm at. <laughs> Mark, dude, like you're kind of like you and I are on the same wavelength here at number two. Not, not the same movie, but the same wavelength. I my number two is Valentine's Day. Um, I think Valentine's Day is hilarious. I watch it every Valentine's Day. I this is this movie is so funny. I don't know how people don't talk about this movie enough, in my opinion. Everybody and their mom is in it. You've got, here we go, Jessica Alba, Kathy Bates, Jessica Biel, Bradley Cooper, Patrick Dempsey, Jamie Foxx, Jennifer Garner, Topher Grace, Anne Hathaway, Ashton Kutcher, Taylor Lautner, and in her best role, her best film role ever, Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift steals the show on Valentine's Day. She's the funniest character. This is a great movie, Valentine's Day. Not a good movie, but it's a great movie. I can tell you why it probably doesn't get the hype you, you think it should. Um, is because it fell within that string of movies where, like, every Valentine's yep. Day, they had to have a huge ensemble cast rom com. You know, they, they started with America's Sweethearts and then they continued and continued. And it was like, okay, like, here it comes February. Here comes another ensemble cast, long, long winded rom com. And yeah, it fell, it fell in there. I've never seen it. Because after- that was like that was like I'd say 2005 to like 2015 that like for whatever reason 
they just felt like they needed to do that with every movie. This one stuck the landing for me. I enjoy it. A quick Google of this. It has an 18% on Rotten Tomatoes, so it's, you know, rotten. Uh, had a budget of $52 million. Box office, $216.5 million it made. Worth every penny. So, like, still made That's money, but, like, I've seen this movie. It It is, like, I don't know what it is. It, like, doesn't... It's, like, bad, it's good type of movie to me. So I like, Yeah, I exactly. Yeah. Well, it clearly had the star power, so... My number two may be a movie that uh, Mark hasn't seen, but we'll, we'll put him to the test here. Uh, this is an 80s movie. Um, I, if you decide to watch it, it is horrible. Um, the plot's bad. Uh, the majority of the acting is bad. And the main star is not in the good graces of people. Um, but it is Leonard Part 6, starring Bill Cosby. Hmm. Yeah, you got me. I've never... Okay, so Leonard Part 6 is a spy parody. Um, so pretty much a, uh, a James Bond-type spy where Bill Cosby drives a car with a tank turret on top. And oh my gosh, <laughs> it's it's bad, but you know, it's, it's a, a movie I watched as right a kid. Find it. I found it hilarious. <laughs> There's a scene where he's meeting his ex wife and they have dinner at her place, and she just dumps salad all over him. And um, it's <laughs> it's bad, but it makes me laugh just thinking about it. Uh, Leonard Part Six, and no, there is not parts one, two, three, four, or five. The movie is just literally Leonard Part Six. I'm gonna have to watch this movie. Gosh, Bill Cosby, man, that's a whole other podcast we could have. <laughs> Indeed. Oh man, Bill Cosby. Mark number one. My number one is gonna shock the nation. It is a cult classic. Um, I saw this at probably way too young. Um, to have watched it. I think I might have been six or seven when I first watched this. So, like, maybe this will explain who I am as a person. Um, the Rocky Horror Picture Show is my number one guilty pleasure movie. It, again, just like Mean Girls, have it, like, on every platform. Um, I have, like, collectible stuff from Rocky Horror Picture Show. I have a, a vinyl album of the soundtrack. I have it on CD. I have it on cassette. I have it on my phone. I am all in on the Rocky Horror Picture Show. I don't know why I find it so fascinating. It is also my top musical of all time. And it's got a good cast of characters. It's got Tim Curry. Um, why am I blanking out her name? Susan Sarandon. It's got Meatloaf. got Barry Boswick. Um, and then, you know, the creator of it who plays Riff Raff. Just, I'm all in. Rocky Horror Picture Show. So go watch it. Nah, I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) Number one for me, and it's literally only because Google called it this. Google calls this a guilty pleasure. It's Ace Ventura. That's because Ace Ventura ain't funny. Um, I I did not I I didn't I was the Deep target sigh. I was the target market for Ace Ventura. I did not find I haven't found Jim Carrey funny since oh, Living Color. Gosh. Oh, Ace Ventura is I could not disagree more. I think that movie cracks me up start to finish every time I watch it. 
to me, it's not even a guilty pleasure. But I'm glad to hear you say that, actually, because it affirms to me that it belongs on the list. Because I, because when I put it on the list, I was like, oh, I'm kind of cheating no, no, here. I, would, I don't think no, anybody's going to I would agree this. that it's not a guilty pleasure because most – I know my opinion on East, on Ventura and on Jim Carrey in general is in the extreme minority. Like, the only Jim Carrey movies I like were Liar, Liar and Dumb and Dumber. Everything else he's done, I really haven't enjoyed. Second Day's Venture is not good. You are right about this that. This isn't a movie, but it's a TV show that was, I think was on Showtime, if I'm remembering that right. It's called Kidding, where he plays like a, a Mr. Rogers type character that kind of like goes crazy. And it came out in like, I remember the first season came out like two years ago. There's only two seasons of it, so 20 episodes. I rec- recommend going watching it. It like It is like not a typical Jim Carrey show or movie. But it's not like, but there's still comedy involved. So, but it's like deep comedies. Yeah, I I'd recommend that for people that uh, advocate against Jim Carrey's humor. Like I'm not a big Jim Carrey humor like movie guy. Like you know, I'm with you. Ace Ventura isn't like the best. Um, not a fan of Dumb and Dumber. I feel so much better that you guys are crapping on it because now I feel better about putting it on my list. Good. I'm Thank glad you, you were justified. I do feel justified. Uh, and number one guilty pleasure for you, Matt. All right, I'm going to throw in one more honorable mention because you know you mentioned because Mark mentioned musicals. So honorable mention, uh, "Singing in the Rain" to me is the the goat musical um, out there, and uh, also uh, I, I just for some reason love Bugsy Malone, uh, which is something that Mark may not have seen either. Um, and it is a musical starring a young Scott Baio and a young um, Jodie Foster. And it's a entirely done with kids musical, except for the singing, which is dubbed adults dubbed older. But I I love it. And last I checked, it was on Prime, but it might not be anymore. But uh, yes, uh, Bugsy Malone, one of my favorite musicals. Uh, my number one is going to be similar to y'all's number two in the world of romance. Uh, I love this movie. I watch this movie every. Valentine's Day time. I watch this movie anytime I get a chance to because it has Harrison Ford and Greg Kinnear and Julia Ormond. And the soundtrack is some of the best piano um, that I've ever heard. And I absolutely adore it. And that is the Sabrina remake from 1995. If you haven't seen this, I know I have. <laughs> if you haven't seen this is one your wives will like. Um, trust me on this one. I had an ex-girlfriend from when I was in high school. And she was not like a rom-com love movie type chick. And I had her watch Sabrina and she was head over heels for it. Um, I have never shown that movie to a woman who did not fall in love with it. It is fantastic. My my memory of Sabrina, this so like a lot of these movies are like in 95 or like in the 90s, it feels like with our top fives. And I, I like vividly remember the cover of this. And I even like Googled it to like be like, I think I know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And I rented this because I saw Harrison Ford. And I'm like, oh, he's in Indiana Jones. So it's got to be a good movie because it's, you know, back in the day, you just got cover and you, you know, I didn't waste my time reading the back of it <laughs> being 10 or 12 or whatever. It's like, here's my stuff. And I think my mom probably looked at it and was like, yeah, my kid's so effed up. <laughs> and just like, yeah. So. I'm with you. Like, yeah, I, I need to watch this as an adult now to see if it, like, if I remember it right. It is, it is very well done. Uh, yeah, that was awesome. the moment. Great list. Yeah, that was the moment. That was, that the, was moment the moment. She's like, moment. Sabrina? <laughs> really? Yeah. 
There's no way it was anything else. It was that moment. What, last week I rent you all the Friday the 13th movies? Now you're going rom-coms? <laughs> Psychopath. Oh, man. Two, pl- two hours plus. Usually we stop at about an hour and a half, but we just couldn't help ourselves this week. But it's all good, man. Hey, uh, Matt, thank you so much for coming on with us and uh, hanging out with us and, and joking around, man. I, we could, we definitely, you're talking to two guys I could talk for another two hours if we if we were left to our own devices. My esteemed um, pleasure. I greatly appreciate you all having me on. And uh, Can you, can, uh, real quick, can you just uh, plug where people can find you and if they want to keep the conversation going with you? Absolutely. So if you want to keep the conversation going with me, um, personally, you can find me on Twitter at underscore Rockin' Mr. Magic. That's Rockin' minus the G, M-R for Mr. And then M-A-G-I-C. You can follow Jeek um, Nation, J-E-E-K Nation on Twitter and Facebook and Twitch all at the same at Jeek Nation. And you can find the original Jeek podcast, which is our primary show, um, on pretty much any podcast option. You can just search for Jeek Nation and you'll find that show as well as our uh, pro wrestling show breaking ring rust and two we'll we'll have a link to that in the show notes so if that was a lot don't worry about it just click the button below you'll you'll see the click right here button just click that and it'll take you where you need to go and you can keep the conversation going matt we appreciate you man and don't be a stranger next time you come on unique dna is coming with you though okay you can't you cannot come back without him. Oh, i'll bring you're him. not allowed that, that, that's happening you, you're worry. not allowed without him. okay you're not allowed without him uh mark i took a picture of i was waiting all day to uh, hear Matt tell you that John Krasinski wasn't the Fantastic Four guy that should be picked. And I took a picture of your reaction, and it doesn't fail. So I'll make sure I put that up maybe on Twitter later. Oh, good. It's perfect. It's like the perfect reaction. I'm like, thank you for that. That's awesome. But aside from that, you uh, you behaved yourself, and I appreciate that today. Thank you very much. Um, of course. I couldn't uh, I keep behaving myself until WandaVision's done. Yeah. So I can keep coming back. So you guys invite me back. Um, before we go, <laughs> I got another. we're going to do another Funko giveaway. Um, let us know what your most guilty pleasure movie is. Um, you can enter that way. Share um, this episode. Like this episode. Make any comment. Just basically interact with us in any any way. And first time ever, I'm going to tell you the Funko Pop you're going to win. Because I thought it goes well with our guest. Um, it is the Funko Pop of... I'm trying to look back. Paul George Clippers Funko Pop. Oh, I'm, I'm in for that one. No need to have it. Just throw it right in the trash. That's where it belongs. Well, I'm not sending it to you. So I don't want. I oh, so oh, you don't have to worry. I don't want it. I'd send it right to the trash if you sent it to me. Wouldn't be the first or last Funko Pop you've sent to me that's gone in the trash. Thank you, Infinity Bros. Universe. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day, week, or month. You can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Follow us on Discord. Check us out on Twitch as well if you've got the itch to Twitch. And as always, we love you guys 3,000. We'll see you later. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Infinity Bros Podcast. You can find the Infinity Bros on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the Infinity Bros. Feel free to send listener feedback via email at infinitybrospodcast at gmail.com.